This week on the Steam Machine Podcast, a Kingdom Hearts episode, but we promise we're going to try to keep it simple and clean. Cue the music! Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Steam Machine Podcast. My name is Dalton and joining me as always are the Destructo Bros. It is Nate. Hey, it's Willie. How you doing today? I'm doing alright, Big Pimpin'. I'm doing alright. How are you boys doing? Let's start with Nate. How have you been up in these past two weeks, my good sir? It's been alright. I don't really have any big life events going on or anything, so I'll take that as a positive this time, I suppose. But one thing that I have been doing a lot of lately is a new video game came out and i think it's pretty oh yeah good. chicken little the prequel right yeah 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 like i've been playing the hell out of that it's been fantastic <laughs> um but uh tears of the kingdom legend of zelda came out and honestly i'm gonna be the first one to say it i think it's just a straight upgrade from breath of the wild everything about the game is actually better than breath of the wild hell yeah <laughs> and i'm just flabbergasted how impressed i am with this game it's been a ton of fun and i'm sure i'm not going to come anywhere near the end of it for quite some time because it's that kind of game where skyrim you don't finish it you know what i mean like you play it for three months before you're finally like well i guess i can go finish it now i'm kind of about ready to put it down but it's going to be a while till i get to that point where i'm ready to put it down i feel like that's kind of how i've been feeling lately anytime i've loaded up elden ring is like I'm gonna run around and explore and have fun. I'm not really gonna try to shoot for going to get wrecked by a boss for a hundred times in a row. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's yeah. it's just fun to go around and explore the world and stuff. And I can imagine in the Zelda game, especially they've opened up the world a lot more, right? As far as um, scale, yeah, yeah, they really have. Like the game is a lot bigger. Like a lot of people say it's like a whole lot bigger, and I think it is, but it's not as big as some people say. Like, but there's now like. And the original game, you know, you were just on the surface. Now there's like three levels because you have the sky islands, the surface, and there's also, I don't think they advertised it very much, but there's an underground area too. So there is a lot of Hyrule to explore. And when I first arrived in that um, underground area, I seriously thought I went to the Hyrule's upside down because it just has that aesthetic (laughs) even a little bit of like Hawkins, Indiana, 1980s, like upside down, like... It's really cool. It's really freaking cool. Hell yeah. So you would Tingle recommend... shows up playing Centipede. Hi. Stupid joke. Well, Ignore. Uh, oh, okay. Sorry, okay, Willie. I, I didn't mean to talk over you, bud. Um, so you would recommend it to people who like enjoyed Breath of the Wild. So like, I enjoyed Breath of the Wild, but I didn't think it was the end-all be-all that everybody else did. But do you think I would... Yep. It, you'll probably like it more. I think it's a better game all around. Because like, I think the... Um, because you don't have the same exact abilities as you did in um, Breath of the Wild. You know, you had like the thing where you could make ice pillars and freeze time for a second. Like his abilities are different in this game. Like this game actually kind of has a crafting mechanic to it. I've been seeing some wacky creations online that people are making. Yeah. So yeah, it does look cool. Um, still have weapon degradation. Oh god, it sure damn. does. <sighs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. 
Fair enough. I know that's a thing people like. I'll just, I will succeed to that. Durability fuckers. <laughs> um, well, hell yeah, dude. That's, is that's all, that all you've been kind of getting up to? Yeah, that's about all I got that's going on. What about you, Will? Any big news I've, that you got, uh, sir? Yeah, I've been super busy over the last couple of weeks because I've uh, been trying to escape that gig economy stuff. So been putting in a lot of applications, uh, job searching, interviewing, and all of that. That's the second time I've heard you use gig economy. I've never heard that term before. Can you explain it to me? It's like, you know, uh, instead of working for a specific, uh, like, individual customer client, it's like basically making all your money off of what people usually term side hustles. So, like, you know, your um, your Uber drivers and delivery people and, like, I don't know, people that are making money off of surveys and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, basically, it's when you're in capitalist hell because in- anything you do, you should be making money instead. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like being a freelancer, except without the part where you have a noticeable skill you can put on your resume. <laughs> without, you don't have any free to lance. Yeah. It's more like being a, a servant lancer. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you were getting out of that, my good sir. So continue. Yeah, so um, I kept on going through places and found uh, a place that was looking for some people to do some sort of kind of hybrid accounting, bookkeeping, uh, payroll, uh, billing type stuff. And, uh, you know, so I basically spent the last week booking or rushing up on, you know, some old accounting stuff I'd known about. Did some courses on QuickBooks. Actually downloaded the free trial of QuickBooks online and started uh you know set up a sample company in that and did really well on my interviews for that so i'm supposed to be starting that job on monday so looks like hell yeah it's going to be about a 25 to 30 hour a week job uh it's going to be a pretty hybridized thing in a kind of smallish company so i'll be doing several different things but um at its core it's basically an uh, entry-level accounting position and um you know i'm just going to be happy to be getting a steady check that I know how much it's going to be before I get paid and I know when it's coming. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, dude. Well, God, I'm fucking and being back proud in, you. you know, uh, a sit, a sitting down job where there's, you know, some off time instead of just constantly busting my ass going hither and thither at someone else's beck and call. I'm glad you mentioned sitting down. I'm going to have to remember that for a minute. So, mm. Uh, well, I guess no. I want to. I'll ask you the name of the company off air. Now that I think about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah no. So it's yeah. A, it's a small enough company that this is actually kind of a doxing risk. Yeah. I'm not even going to say exactly what they work on. Yeah. No. 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 That's that's totally fine. Yeah. That clicked with me immediately. I'm like, oh wait, never mind. Yeah. No. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, no, it's not like I'm, I'm. It's not like I'm working for like Humana or one of the other huge companies that has like a million employees in this town. No. So like if it if it was like just UPS or something I'd be like or yeah if it was just like UPS I'd be like yeah I'm doing accounting for UPS because there's like 500 of them probably Willie is actually um, the elected CEO replacement for Elon Musk of Twitter he's just <laughs> yeah he just is doesn't want to tell you guys because you know he's a uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, I'm under a non-disclosure agreement so. I'm not going to tell you everything, Honestly. but I do promise I'm going to bring out silver check marks that'll only cost two dollars a month. <laughs> but if you want that blue check mark, you're going to have to go to Blue Chew. 
Hey, <laughs> just kidding. We're still not getting paid for this. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, I guess that just is does that just leave me. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, my brother? Uh, no, it's just um that that is kind of the, my preface to my experience with this episode is because I've been doing that. I've also been dealing with a lot of other you know getting business taken care of in my real life, regulating my sleep schedule. Handling all that kind of stuff, dealing with finances, and because of that, I didn't get much time to play the game. So I'm gonna definitely be the person in this with like one fifth as many hours as anyone else. So don't have high expectations of me, dude. As soon as you said you were taking care of business, my brain immediately just goes taking care of business every day, and I'm ashamed. I don't even know who sings that song, but it's, it's Bachman Turner uh, Overdrive. Is it? I was thinking it was Fog Hat. Yes. Okay. You know, that is not the worst guess I've ever heard. That is at least kind of contemporary. <laughs> One of those southern rock bands. <laughs> uh, the kind of bands that you associate with the turning on the classic rock dial, and you're like, hey, okay, this makes sense, and I don't hate yeah, it. Like the song that follows <laughs> it on the radio is that, I'm traveling down the road, and I'm flirting with disaster. Oh, Flirting with Disaster by Molly yeah, Hatchet. Molly that's, a, that's proper Southern rock that's right some there. That's shit, though. Like, the riff in that song's fun. Anyway, we're getting off topic. <laughs> no, that, that, is, that song is the kind of song that I believe the word bitchin' was intended to describe. Yeah. Even if you don't like that song, you have to admit it's kind of bitchin'. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, dude. I've just uh, been farting around, working. Uh, been hanging out with my friend Brandy a lot. Oh, I say a lot. Probably, like, once or twice a week, which is a lot for me because I'm a hermit and I don't ever get out. So it's been nice, you know. I uh, did some Mother's Day stuff for her. Um, I've been playing a couple different games. Uh, I've been messing with some more Hogwarts Legacy, but I know neither of you care about that, so I'll talk about that with Jeremy. It's oh, all good. <laughs> um, I had another. I did have another thing. There was one thing, one game thing I did get around to, but uh, I forgot about that because I would just want to talk about my real life stuff. So I did have a Doomwad recommendation for people. What is it? Um. So, uh, the thing is that it's kind of hard to explain it without kind of spoiling a lot of the premise of it. And the premise kind of sounds ridiculous up front, so it's better to experience it. So, I'm going to kind of do this in a couple of spoiler waves. Um, so, the wad is called um, The Thing You Can't Defeat. And it's um, loosely inspired by a wad called uh, Doom But Something Isn't Right or Doom From Memory. And it's, the original wad was uh, people remaking the original levels of the Doom One from memory. So this game, this wad starts off based on that and based on just episode one of the original Doom. And spoiler, going ahead for the skip about a minute ahead if you don't want to know anything else. Skip about okay. Uh, the, the part spoiler part two is the other thing it's based on is that album. Uh, Everything at the end of time by the is it was about the collector or something like that, which is the album that's basically about um, your brain falling apart. Oh as Jesus you, Christ! Uh, that age. like six and a half hour. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. thing's wild, dude. What a ride! So essentially, it is essentially a Doom version of that, where it plays on your memories of the original episode one of Doom. That sounds cool. Nice. Um. And yeah, so skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want me to just get really explicit with it. But basically, it's this weird kind of existential horror thing where uh, essentially, I guess the premise is that you're kind of 
Doom guy with terminal dementia, and as you progress through it, the worlds get more fragmented, strange, things aren't really remember them and all that, and then it starts to develop into this really surreal horror before coming together with one of the best conclusions I've ever seen in a Doom mod. Like, it genuinely was horrifying, touching, and emotional, and I did not expect that from something like this. So, for someone who hasn't played the original Doom since they were probably seven eight um would it still have the same impact on me or is it something that like i would need to go back and play the first game first and then go play this one um i feel like if you played through it enough times that you could probably do the first three levels or so from memory that that would probably be enough to get something out of it but doing a refresher course of playing the first episode again right beforehand just so you can start to see how early things kind of get mixed up is probably a good idea. I promise you don't need to memorize the whole thing, though, because the further you get into it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I put a decent amount of time into Doom 2, if I remember correctly, and uh, yeah, I can't remember a damn thing about it. <laughs> yeah, so I think definitely just playing through the first episode of Doom, because uh, it is just based on the first episode of Doom 1, essentially. Okay. Um, so if you just replay through that one time, and then... I think it supports difficulty levels too, so I mean that the combat is not the point. <laughs> and uh, what was the name of it again? Uh, the thing you can't defeat. Thing it was released okay. late last year. Um, it was considered for apparently for the um, the Kako Award nominations, but they didn't end up putting it in there because they thought you know it was. I guess it's because it was ultimately kind of short compared to something like that. But with like my house, this wad coming up this earlier this year, I think people are looking into these things that use GZ Doom features to create strange experiences that play on Doom as a vessel for like meta game nostalgia almost. Okay, I can get behind that. Uh, that sounds like a really weirdly literary thing for something that on its surface sounds really stupid, but I do promise it. I, f I found it touching, and I think I, f I would have found it touching if I weren't, like, obviously it means a lot to me because of what Doom, you know, how much I love Doom. But I think even if that was just, like, a game I was mildly nostalgic for as a child, I think it would still hit just about as hard. I'm going to say something that you might find is blasphemy, and then we can move on. Mm. Sure. I want to play a third-person Doom mod. Like where you can see Doom Guy and you run around and shoot things. I'm pretty sure I remember there being a pretty good one that involved like a lot of melee combat, but I can't remember what it was called now. But it was definitely more trying to make almost like a character action type game out of Doom. Like I just I do not remember what it was called in now. In my head. But they were going for kind of a platinum games vibe. In my in my head I'm thinking like PlayStation One era blocky three D graphics. Oh my god, I did see someone Doom. try to make a fixed camera horror Doom mod, and it looked really interesting, but my god, apparently coding for it was just a nightmare because you had to manually place down all those camera points, and like, those kind of games are harder to make than you realize. Like, there's a reason why we lost pre-rendered backgrounds in games, and now everything is 3D fully rendered. Because yeah. I really do have a huge nostalgia for Pre that PlayStation yeah. era pre-rendered 3D background thing, 100%, too. 100%, dude, I love it. Um... All right, so uh, I've been playing. Uh, speaking of three, uh, you know, pre-render stuff, um, I've been playing through Sacred Gold. The title does not ring a bell. So it was like in the era of Diablo, Diablo two, like those types of games, and it's that same style of game, and it's it's hella fun, man. I really like it. There's a lot of classes to choose from. 
Um, I'll probably pick it for the show at some point because I think it holds up enough that y'all wouldn't hate it. <laughs> it. If you if you have multiple screens, it might do some weird shit because it does to mine. Where like I'll have YouTube playing on one of my screens and then I'll open up that game and because it has to change the resolu- resolution to something so strange to my monitor, it just shifts all my windows around. Oh yeah, I need to remember to do like for games that um, are pretty old and operate in full screen one screen. I need to remember to turn my uh, scaling off before I launch them because sometimes they launch in bizarre resolutions. Since I have that thing set up where my main monitor is at like one hundred twenty five percent zoom. Yeah, fuck, I didn't think about that. Yeah, mine zoomed in a little too, so I wonder if that's part of the issue. Anyway, worth looking into, huh? Yeah, uh, I've been really enjoying that. Um, also, uh, been having an issue in 2K23 where I'm in universe, <clears throat> so my universe mode, I finally got it set up the way I wanted it, right? Um, started playing, started a show, um, decided to switch it from regular classic universe mode to superstar mode, which is where you just pick one person as play as them, kind of like role playing. And so I chose Blade, of course. So I am in the main event of SummerSlam against MJF, who I downloaded cool. from the Creation Club. Only problem is... I've definitely seen his name popping up in a lot of your rosters. Yeah, I love MJF. He's one of my favorite heels of all time, like, already. Like, he's so Such good. a dastardly son of a bitch, and he's so young, he's only going to get better. Yeah, it's insane. Like, he's like... Yeah, he's ridiculously young. So, um, every time I go to start the match game crashes and it won't let me switch back from superstar mode to classic universe mode because i started a show i have to finish that show before i can switch it so i can't simulate it it has to make me play it but it freezes every time it tries to load the match so now i'm just like well i guess i could just delete my entire universe and start over but that sucks (laughs) yeah that sucks Um, i also had a fail with fire pro wrestling (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> recently i was gonna say it sounds like your big rosters have been having kind of shit in the bed lately yeah, they're having issues dude but fire pros fixed and working smoothly uh ponytail on bianca by the way not as long as i would like but still functional face the only thing is like nate pointed out is that the faces look so good on some of these that their bodies are just weirdly proportionate because the <laughs> the head looks so normal that the rest of the body just makes them look like <laughs> I am big and beefy. Um, but when you talked about having a job where you can sit down, I'm going to run through this real quick and then we can get to uh, our topic of the week. So I'm at work. They asked me to pull dates. I'm going to run through this real quick because y'all already heard this in the in the uh, show chat. I'm not show chat. Uh, whatever. Whatever I'm trying to say. Um, so I'm at work. I'm pulling out of dates for the vitamin section. I got a lot, right? But that requires going through each and every shelf. And there's a lot. Of, I don't know if you guys have been to a, uh, like a CVS or a Walgreens lately and been to the vitamins. There's a fucking lot of them. So I'm digging through each of these, looking at each date. I'm over there for like two hours doing this. That would have been two hours of me like squatting for half the time, getting the the bottom rows. So I went. There's an, In the back, there's a chair that has wheels on it. I grabbed it, used that. And instead of it taking me way longer than two hours, I got it knocked out because I was able to just roll around, get what I needed to do. It was just much quicker. I walk up front with this entire cart thing that I have full of fucking out of dates. 
and I'm like, hey, Kayla, here's the out of dates, and I'm pushing the chair. And Kayla looks at me, looks down at the chair, and goes, oh, Trisha, I found your chair. And I immediately was like, fuck. So I look around the corner, and there she is in her bulbous glory, standing there, and she's like, uh, I've been looking for that. I was I was thinking to myself, if you'd have walked to the other side of the store, you'd have found it. Like I was just I was like fucking six aisles away. So anyway, uh long story short, I was told that I am not allowed to use a chair at work. Um because I am an able bodied adult and I need a doctor's note to be able to sit down while I am on the clock. At all. And uh to put that in perspective Annie, who I worked with today, now I'm going to put this on blast because fuck Walgreens for this. Annie that I work with is pregnant. She is not allowed to sit down. She told them basically, fuck you, I'm sitting down anyway. She tells me today at work that she is dilating and still having to work. Her medical leave started today and Trisha asked her to work the next few days because if she could because we don't have anybody to come in for her shifts. And I'm like, then fucking hire someone like what are you doing you can't ha- you can't tell a pregnant girl to fucking work when she's dilating that bitch's gonna have the baby on the floor no i'm not mopping it you're gonna waddle out here and mop it <laughs> fuck no you're not you're gonna make one of us do it i don't want to hear it no ain't happening i will throw up and pass out are you kidding me i do not handle bodily <laughs> fluids well <laughs> that's illegal as shit that's the plan get baby born on the floor now you have a new appointment employee <laughs> It's just born right into it, and thing just gets uh, crawls over, starts ringing people up. Um, I don't know how much wan dollars is, but whatever. Here you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm just like, are you serious? So my smart ass, of course, was like, Walgreens gonna pay for me to go to the doctor? No, probably not. All right. So I go into work today. And I go into the office and I go over and I clock in and Trisha, uh, my boss is there and she's like, how you doing today, Dalton? Oh, I'm all right. Well, I just wanted to let you know. And immediately I'm like, oh, God damn it. What is this? I just wanted to let you know that uh, the shift lead position that you were going for, I, I have a transfer coming in from another store that has about 10 years experience and stuff. And it's really hard to get good transfers. So I'm going to take it while I can get it. So it's going to have to be probably six to eight months. We'll have another position open that you can go for. And I'm like, Cool. And she's like, well, I just didn't want you to be upset or anything. And I'm like, at the, dude, at that point, like, I'm so beyond upset about that, that I was just like, yeah, it is what it is. I was upset about not getting it two weeks ago when you told me that I you wanted to see me work hard for the next six months. Like, I haven't been doing that. Anyway, this isn't Yabspot. Let's move on. <laughs> what we need to do is get you a, a job. We need to get you like a computer touching job, man. Somewhere you can just sit down and type words all day. Yeah. For sure. I fucking I sent an email to the local radio station with a vocal clip and was like, hey, I would love to just come talk on air. I'll even put on a little southern accent for you if you want me to. I can put on that little bit of Florida if you need me. You know, I can get on there. Or I can go full on uh, Sam Elliott if you'd like. Yeah, it was like whatever they need. (laughs) Or I could be like, hi, welcome on down to how to do this. Yeah, whatever. Or typing. That works, too, because then you don't have to hear my voice. <laughs> <laughs> voice is one of your best qualities, but um, not if you do that last accent. Uh, you would, 
That was a uh, that was a that was the prospector from Gravity Falls is what that was. You'd be amazed at some of my vocal covers if I were to isolate each part where I was trying to get a chorus sound. If I could just isolate each one and let you guys hear it, you'd be like, "What the fuck?" Because when you put them all together and you don't hear them isolated, they they sound all right. But some oh, there have definitely been some times when I've been listening to them like that. That wasn't a karaoke track background vocal. That was Dalton doing something weird as shit, wasn't it? <laughs> I like to do weirdest shit things. <clears throat> All right, boys. Enough of my mumbo jumbo. Um, I'm sure I've done other things this week that I can't remember, and it's fine. Um, we played a little ditty called Kingdom Hearts. And uh, before we get into first impressions, because mine are going to differ much from y'all's, because there's a big time gap between them. We have some O-dubs! Otherwise known as the obligatory Wikipedia bullshit, Kingdom Hearts is a 2002 action role-playing video game developed by Square. Just Square. It was back when they were still Squaresoft. For the PlayStation 2 video game console. It is the first game in the Kingdom Hearts series and is the result of a collaboration between Square and the Walt Disney Company. Expanded... An expanded re-release of the game featuring new and additional content, Final or Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, was released exclusively in Japan in December of 2002. The Final Mix version of the game was later then remastered in high definition and released globally as part of the Kingdom Hearts 1.5 Remix collection for the PlayStation 3. The game was later ported and released as a part of a bundle of Kingdom Hearts 1.5 2.5 Remix, the naming schemes begin collection for PlayStation 4 in March 2017, Xbox One in February 2020, Windows March 2021, and Nintendo Switch February 2022. So the version we're playing is the remix of a remix of a remix of the original yeah, game. Then re re recoded remix. <laughs> and the one that's called Final Mix was only the second among those four steps. Yes. <laughs> Yes, they went to Final we're Fantasy. On to, we're on to a good start with this. <laughs> um, I do want to point out, first and foremost, um, because Nate almost ran into this, um, for all intents and purposes that I've seen, do not get this game on Switch. Um, apparent- yeah, it's like a cloud-only version, and like I was, I almost did it because I was like, it was on sale, and I was like, you know what? It seems like it'd be fun to play in bed, but then I was like, Dalton's like, uh, hey, brother, you might want to read some reviews on that before you buy it. And everybody was like, this is the worst experience you could ever have playing this video game. And I was like, all right. I read I read a thing somebody <laughs> said. They were like, I would rather emulate the PS2 version of Kingdom Hearts than play the Switch fucking version of this. And I'm like, whoa. As someone who played the PlayStation 1 version of Chrono Trigger as my main experience with the game, you get one terrible port of an RPG in your lifetime. <laughs> Once you've got that one done, even if it's a game that's as great as Chrono Trigger or as beloved and nostalgic as Kingdom Hearts, you 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 don't have it in you ever again. <laughs> I think stuttering would have been a lot worse in a game like Kingdom Hearts than in a game like Chrono Trigger, though, at least. like Yeah, oof. It, it would be a very different problem. Like, the stutter, constant stuttering, I think, would have absolutely murdered this. With Chrono Trigger, the issue was just, you know, those really, really oh, smooth instant transitions between sequences? Yeah. Like, you, you go, you break right from the overworld into combat? Yeah, there's like a 20 second load time. Ugh. That's horrible. That is so That's bad. So yeah. Bad. 
It was the only thing I knew at the time, though, because I didn't grow up with play, with Super Nintendo RPGs. We didn't play a lot of RPGs on the Play or Genesis, so load times in our PlayStation games was kind of normal to us. Dude, yeah. I wish I could remember which um, which console it was. I think maybe the Tur- TurboGrafx CD or something that GameSack was doing an episode on, but they were talking about how long the loading screens were. They said it were minutes and minutes and minutes sometimes. Mm. And they did a joke like skit at the end of the episode where they were playing this game and they walked through a doorway and it said loading. So they like got up, went and made sandwiches, like had a conversation. They come back and sit down and it still loading. And then it cuts the next screen and a fucking enemy hits them, knocks them backwards. And they go back to the doorway and starts loading again. They were like, Oh God damn it. No, no, no. Forget this. Let's play something else. And they shut it off. I literally was going to say when you're talking about loading and that kind of thing, the, the Japanese version of Castlevania 2 was a disc system game instead of a cartridge game. And it often had loading between rooms and you would get sometimes knocked back by a bat and then forced to load the city you just came from <laughs> and then reforced to load the room you just came uh, from. And that gosh. was already a game that had dialogue boxes that felt like they took 45 minutes to tell you the sun came up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. So. I'm going to let's start with you guys since you have the newer impressions. So this was both of your first experiences with Kingdom Hearts, right? Yep. Believe so. Now, yes. Willie, I want to start with you on this because you seemed and I don't mean this in an offensive way. I promise you seemed the most intimidated to get into this out of the three of us. Yeah, I honestly, when Kingdom Hearts came, I was kind of behind the scenes trying to campaign for us not to play Kingdom Hearts. I was like, is there any way I can rig the poll to prevent this from happening? Um, I I didn't want to get into it just because the series is so long and full of lore and stuff that I felt like even just getting into the starting room would be kind of a big hurdle to overcome. And I was really worried about that. And um, so I eventually did. It took me a little bit to even get started playing the game, especially with all the stuff that's been going on in my life over the last couple weeks. And then when I did get to play the game, um, I don't think I've hated the first 90 minutes of a video game more in a very long time. (laughs) Hold that thought, because we all have things to talk about on that. So hold that thought. Yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) So, Nate, what about you? First impression? (laughs) Yeah, my first impressions were I hated it. I went and did the first 90 minutes of the game, I was like, yeah, there's a lot more fun things I could be doing right now. So I put off coming back to it for a hot minute. And then I finally did get back to it. And then Tears of the Kingdom came out. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got to keep playing Kingdom Hearts. But yeah, first impressions were really negative towards this game. I thought it was looked good. But like when you started actually, ha- the game actually started having you do things, it was miserable. It was literally long dialogue sequences with fetch quests. Yeah. Which, I know this is getting into it a little bit more, is such a weird choice for the introduction to this game because it's a game without any other fetch quests. Yes. It's pretty much like they give you a fetch quest to figure out the movement mechanics, I feel like, and that's about it. That was my theory, is that the entire opening island was a tutorial to let you know, hey, this isn't Final Fantasy X. This isn't a really stiff RPG. There's movement and exploration, and you want to be pushing blocks around and trying to climb stuff, interact with the environment. I get that the idea was that they wanted it to be a tutorial for interactivity with the game world, because you're going to need to know things like that, even though it doesn't teach you, like, hey, you might want to cast fire on this fireplace, because you don't have a fire spell yet. In fact, you don't get to use any of your combat buttons at all yet. (laughs) 
Um, now, you did you did you guys realize that the choices that you made on that island actually affected your game? Oh, like at the very very beginning, that part was cool when you were kind of just like floating in space, and I was like, "Hey, oh, yeah, I like here's that. like we're, you can pick this one thing to be your strength, and this other thing to be like what you're bad mm-hmm. at, kind of thing." I had a feeling that it was going to be stat based, like where if you picked like the sword, you'd be have more be more powerful and stronger. If you picked the shield, you'd probably have better defense, and if you picked the magic one, you'd yeah, have better yeah, magic. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of kind of made so, sense. After that, like when you're on the island and you're getting asked questions by all those kids, like what do you want to do on your adventure? Oh, and your yeah. choices, those choices that you make are also calc. I wish I could remember exactly what it does in the background, but I remember that if you if your journey starts in the morning, then you are going to get front loaded with a lot of experience, and then they're going to drop off as you get higher level. Oh. Um, if you start midday then it's going to be, you know, flat the whole time. You're going to get the same amount. Um, and if you start at night, then it takes longer to level up and really starts ramping up at level 40 where you start picking it up after that. Oh, so you're going to have a harder time with the game if you yeah. choose that. For yeah, sure. absolutely. Is there any way you can figure out what you chose early on? Because I I started off, like, the questions where it was, like, falling through the sky and asking you about, like, swords and shields and shit. I was like... Thinking, okay, this is kind of like that quiz at the beginning of Daggerfall, where they're trying to basically give you a character class. Yeah, kind of the the sword, the shield, and the, and the magic thing. Yeah, it's like you know, uh, you choose the the sword, you're gonna get more um, attack based stuff. Um, mm-hmm. More. Um, I already wholly forget what I picked, though. Honest to God, I picked the sword to be my number oh, one yeah. thing. Sword I and don't magic. Think I pick. I think I pick sword then magic then weakest that's, shield. That's. A- Exactly what I did, Because yeah. I was under the impression that this game would be kind of uh, action-y, RPG-ish. And while I didn't think that necessarily meant it would be, like, Dark Souls level of, like, rolling and active combat, I did still feel like, hey, I'm going to want to chop through stuff as fast as possible. That'll be good for yeah. grinding. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, my first impression with this was back when I was real young, I got it because I was a Final Fantasy fan. And this was... Yeah, hold on. I, can I, I wanted to break that out because yeah. we both said the first 90 minutes are bad. And I, I wanted to clarify that I'm almost entirely talking about Fantasy Island or whatever it's called, the opening island. The actual opening scene, like the falling through the sky yeah. stuff, was actually really cool. And I'm like, oh, what are they going to do next? Which then made the really boring hour that followed a lot worse. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Because like the intro and stuff was really cool. Yeah. I agree with that. But then once you start doing things... It sucked. <laughs> and I do think that that is also kind of a product of its time because uh, when I loaded into Kingdom Hearts 3 recently just to, to mess around with it, and that's the more recent you know game of the two because Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 came out way long ago. Um, Kingdom Hearts 3 pretty much like gives you a few cutscenes and then drops you into the shit. You know, so it's like it's, it's a bit different. Um, Apparently, my friend M, who is a big fan of Kingdom Hearts, said uh, that it's kind of a known thing in the Kingdom Hearts fandom that the intros of the games are pretty terrible. So, yeah. like, the intros are terrible and the titles are hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and the titles are weird, yeah. Um, so, I, I played this when I was young. Like I said, Final Fantasy fan, and I was a Disney fan. So, worlds collided, and I was all about it. Um, I believe I rented it from, it was either Video Zone or Movie Gallery. Those were the two places that we had here. We weren't cool enough to have Blockbuster. Um, but I rented it, played it, fell in love with it, um, and then went and got it from Walmart, I'm sure, or somewhere. <laughs> and I uh, brought it home. 
as a kid, I didn't mind the beginning island level and stuff because I thought it was so pretty and this game was one of the prettiest games I had ever seen. And then I got Final Fantasy X. Oh, and man. Like, Whew, man, both these games are so pretty, but Final Fantasy X is prettier. But it was less car- less cartoony, yeah. you know, but... Um, More Lulu. Ooh, yeah. God, and I wonder why I like Goth Girls so much. <laughs> Fucking Lulu. <laughs> and Renoa. No one can tell me Renoa is not goth. Like, she wears bright blue, but no, she, is she is totally is. a goth. <laughs> she She's a pastel goth. Yeah. Uh, oh, perfect. There you go. Yeah. Um, so I... I liked this game a lot when I was younger. Now, second first impressions. When I came back to it, like I told you guys in our uh, host chat, uh, I at one time had a little smoking area set up uh, in my garage with a big table for like we'd go out there, we'd play D&D around the table and stuff. But I had a CRT set up and a PS2 set up. Now, this fucking CRT didn't even have a power button. I had to take a Sharpie and stick it in the hole where the power button's supposed to be and press the insides, and then it would turn on. But you didn't want to do that with I your finger it. because you might get shocked. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> use the fat Sharpie and just bloop. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we had that out there specifically to play Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts 2, SmackDown vs. Raw, um, 2006, 2007, and Final Fantasy 12 because I don't think I have Final Fantasy 10 anymore. That is a true gamer lounge. I love it. But that was it. Like, we didn't have the new consoles out there. We had the PS2. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. man, man, being older and going through that island, fuck, is it a slog? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I didn't mind it when I was young. I guess I just had all the time and patience in the world. And that's the thing. I think when you're a kid, you do have that time. You're like, yeah, mm. this is bad. This is just part of yeah. it. But, like, when you're an adult and you see that you have a. 20 something hour game ahead of you you want it to be fun and like that first two hours you're like oh god please don't tell me the other 18 is gonna be like this yeah and luckily it does uh pick up once you get off that first island um i'm literally not kidding uh i sent messages to nathan when i started playing this game because i only actually got to it first playing it sunday or saturday late saturday night early sunday morning and the messages i sent him as i was going through the uh, island quote Unless there are... Okay, that, the cloth was part of the first one, I think. But if there were three fetch quests, you're going to need to find a new co-host. I'm not even kidding. If I take all this shit to Kyrie now and she tells me, uh, you need to go find a torch, three pieces of park, and two rat skins, I'm done playing this forever. And then, like, <laughs> five minutes later, I get a message saying, oh, good, a Donald and Goofy scene. I like these guys. <laughs> Why are they holding out on this shit? This is what I came here for. Why did I have to walk around collecting coconuts? And then five minutes later, hooray, I'm allowed to play the video game now. And it was funny, because I felt like I had to be like, Willie, really, just play Kingdom Hearts. Promise me you'll just go and play Kingdom Hearts for an hour and a half right now. And you're like, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> and like, you were so much happier when you did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially because the way you made it sound, you were like, you were prepared to let me bitch about it. Because you, you like, itemized the first areas in the game. And just to be like, you're only going to spend a little bit of time here. And it, it, it gets better, I promise. Now... Once we leave, once you leave, so it, I, uh, I, I mean, do you guys want? Yeah, I want to say a full second set of first impressions for the Gummy Ship and Traverse Town, right? Yeah, yeah, because I personally adore Traverse Town. Um, something about, and again, it's probably nostalgia these days that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy while I'm there. But like, I have always loved the aesthetic of that place. Like, it would be such a cool little quaint place to live if there weren't heartless. 
<laughs> um, but the the whole weird where like people go there when their worlds are destroyed and it's like Traverse Town's like this kind of strange purgatory thing. At least that's what I think of it now in my stoner brain. I'm like, it's kind of it's kind of odd to think about now that I'm older. But back then, I was just like, oh, cool, it's just this world where everybody can meet. But I guess I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Um, so when you guys first get past the island, you know what we're because I'm more interested in what you guys think, and then I can kind of talk about me throughout whatever. But like, okay, I have one more thing about the first okay, yeah, island please. though that I found really confusing. It's like because like you know they kind of say like people are. Off, like you said, go to Traverse Town when their world's kind of like gone or whatever. My question about this game in general is, what the hell? Okay, I could have dealt with it. It made, it made sense to me that you know Zidane and Waka were on the island, but what were Zidane, Waka, and Selfie Telmet doing on the island? Quick, quick correction: that is not Zidane. It was Titus. Titus, yeah. sorry. Yeah, same same. Damn it! You beat me. T- <laughs> When you when you when you scrunch them up to chibi proportions, they are a lot more alike. Um, yeah, I, I could like some Titus. You mean long the same place made sense to me. What was Selfie doing there? Yeah. Well, Selfie's world was. Uh, I I don't. It sounded like they were trying. I'm not sure if this is necessarily true, but it almost sounded like all the PlayStation Final Fantasies were destroyed in the same world. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's the vibe that I get. Um, because they were talking about like our world was destroyed and like the FF eight and seven characters were saying that at the same time. Yeah. Speaking of- no FF nine characters, which I don't know if that was a timeline thing. No, mm-hmm. mm, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so because this is a PS two game. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Th- Titus was there, so like, but this. Th- th- I mean, I feel like the the Moogle in the first place was a oh, kind of yeah. FF nine ish looking Moogle. Yeah. This game okay. would have been sure. uh, perfect for an appearance by. Uh, Vivi. No, that's actually not who I was Steiner. thinking. Steiner. Thank you. Yes, Steiner. Yeah. Him, like, being a guard in Mickey's Palace or something. Like, would have, yeah. just a cameo. <laughs> would have been freaking perfect. Why don't I work for Square? Yeah. I'm not Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as, like, when you finally do get to Traverse Town, that's when things really kind of turn around. Because, like, A, you first start getting your cameos, you know? Because, like, before you go to even go to Traverse Town, you get your cameo with Goofy and Donald in the cutscene, and you're like, Yes. One one more quick thing about the island that just came into my mind. Why were they building a raft? They had nowhere to go. Not not only that, they had boats. Do you know? Do you remember at the end when they were? Yeah, they had boats like, everywhere. They had these little kidneys like, everywhere. Oh, Kyrie and Riku's boats are here already. And it's like, dude, why are you building a raft? You have boats. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. I thought the, yeah, the idea was that they were kind of stupid little kids about to go on a stupid little kid adventure, and they had no idea that a real adventure was about to begin. Yeah. But yeah, like it's so good when you finally get to Traverse Town because, like, like I said, before you get there, you get the cutscene with Goofy and Donald and Mickey and all that, which is fantastic. But then you get there and you're like, "Wait a second, that's Sid Highwind in the accessory shop." And then you go down to the item shop and there's Huey, Dewey, and Louie running. Mm-hmm. If you notice, like Sid, uh, I believe, had a piece of wheat in his mouth instead of a cigarette. <laughs> they were like we can't have a cigarette in the but, disney thing like he's like they're like fair enough yeah, and sid definitely said motherfucking a lot less often <laughs> than final fantasy 7 yeah. he's a lot a lot cleaner spoken yeah yeah 
But the whole first little part of that being a driver's town, you're walking around and Donald and Goofy keep trying to find you and you keep ending up on the same screen at a different moment every time. That's just such a good little like cartoon thing that happens early in the game that really sets the tone that like, yeah, we're in a Disney cartoon now, boys, with Final Fantasy characters. Because that's what it felt like to me. It felt like we were in a Disney show with Final Fantasy characters, not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. Which even surprised me because when this game came out, I really thought of it as like a Dis- or a Final Fantasy game that takes place in Disney Worlds was how it was sold to me originally. And no, nah, it's its own thing. And it's definitely Disney cartoon with fun cameos. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I really liked about the game in general, too, is like I felt like they designed Sora and like Riku and Kairi to kind of be like a blend between Final Fantasy and Disney. Because if you look at the shoes, especially of those three characters, those are the Disney feet. But then when you look at the hair, it's the Final Fantasy hair, but it's very much a blended of the Disney and Final Fantasy. And I thought that was a really cool aesthetic that they did with the three main characters. Um, oh, uh, quickly while I'm looking this up. Um, oh, actually, never mind. Never mind. I got it. So. Have you guys ever heard of a game from Square Never. called The Bouncer? Oh, yeah. Do you remember what the main character looked like? I'm going to share a picture right now in our recording chat. Does he or does he I'm not pretty- look kind of familiar? Oh, my God. Huh. Oh, wow. <laughs> so It's fully Square Sora. Like, yeah, yeah. It's basically like they were like, we need a main character to look for Sora. They were like, what about that game that didn't sell worth shit? The bouncer? Oh yeah, nobody remembers that. Yeah, we'll just make him look like him. <laughs> That's funny. He made his shoes huge. Holy crap! Yeah, it's just tropical Peter Pan, the bouncer. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I'm curious because it's it's not too long after you guys if you get to Traverse Town. Um, when you were told to go find Leon, how surprised were you guys to see who Leon actually is? <laughs> yeah, I walk up. I was like. That's that's Squall. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like he. Who the hell's Leon? This is Squall. Get out of here with this Leon bullshit. Yeah, I was very curious why they went with Leon because his name's Squall Lionheart. So I guess Leo Lion. Like I guess that's the connection or whatever. Like, and so you combine them and Leon. But I'm pretty sure his name was Leonhart in the first game. Like I think it was yeah. Squall Leonhart. Lionheart it's was Squall the name Leonhart. of his like fatality or whatever. Oh, okay. So I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know why they decided to call him Leon in this game. He's like, actually, it's Leon now. I'm like, okay, buddy. That's like when a kid named William decides they want to go by Liam. <laughs> Get out of here. You're not You're not deep undercover. And the thing is, like, his de- description makes it sound like he's like, he shed his old personality and name. But he's just being a whiny bitch because that's what, that's Squall, what Squall does. does. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. does somebody call him Squall? Like, there's one scene remember. where he's just sitting down in a sewer practicing sword slashes against nothing while a girl just kind of <laughs> watches him. I'm like, yep, that's Squall. I remember this guy. Was he, but the, is it Yuffie? I was going to okay. say, is it you? Does Yuffie call him Squall? I think so. I think yeah. Yuffie slips Squall in there. And one he's like, time. Don't, yeah, yeah, don't call me that. But it's it's just like, okay, yeah, okay. For one, like, yeah, why? there's Yuffie and Aerith and Squall. <laughs> yeah, which I found very interesting. That we're in this universe where Aerith is alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I there was definitely a moment where I'm like, uh, I mean, I'm not. I hope this isn't too big of a spoiler to say, but you run into Cloud within the first like six hours of the game too, and he implies yeah. that he's looking for someone. I'm like, hey, I've got great news for you, dude. You are going. <laughs> I 
not what I was expecting you to go with that. <laughs> but that's really funny. Oh, yeah. So, it's like, I really liked that a lot. And I liked how, like, in Dalton, me and you especially grew up where Final Fantasy VIII was kind of like our favorite yeah. Final Fantasy. And just seeing how Squall was kind of like the leader of the Final Fantasy bunch, it was pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. It's like he took over command and he's like, yes, let's go. And, and I'm just watching Yuffie follow his rules and stuff is funny as hell to me. And- also, I enjoy that they gave us Yuffie, Aerith, and uh, Titus in the first, like, three hours of the game so we can argue about how to pronounce the names and now we're all basically saying the same thing most of the times yeah because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like that i've heard them pronounced in game now and as much as i hate myself for what i am saying Aerith, which is incorrect but <laughs> i digress yuffie yuffie is the weirdest one for me honestly because it just it yeah. still looks like yuffie. i believe it does uh, this is the first time that you've ever heard Titus's or Titus's name said. It out loud. is yeah. because Titus's Titus's name is never pronounced in the first game because you can enter your name for him. So they always, even if his name is written in the dialogue box, they manage to word it in the vocals in a way that doesn't say the name. Yeah. I love when video games do that. Honestly, it's funny. This, to me. Ca- this was, guy. I mean, it was a clever solution. I'm not going to bless everything about the voice acting and direction of Final Fantasy X, but I thought that that was done really cleverly. Because I don't think I'm not just saying for ten in general. I was like all of them video games. Greetings, adventurer. Yeah, (laughs) dude. Let me. What's the other game I've been playing that's been doing that? I forget. Oh well, not. Oh, I'm trying to think of other examples too, because there's definitely ones where they give you a title so that they can call you like Dragonborn instead of you know Fighter Greg because you named yourself something stupid at the beginning of the game. yeah. quickly it was random for the opposite of that i remember playing i think it was ncaa 2004 mm. um maybe 2006 it, it doesn't matter i guess the year it was whenever my brother was going to uf and mm. i made a quarterback named him Suter, or you know dalton Suter. Mm. and when i went back to throw a pass the fucking announcer went Suter back to pass and i about died because that was the first time yeah. i ever heard a game a say my name and b pronounce it properly and i was like holy shit i wonder if it was because my brother's name was on the school roster and if they just paid to like run through the names but i'm like that's so cool the wackiest thing about that in uh, the ncaa 2000 games was like that those names weren't in the actual game like if you remember the rosters all had anonymized names but they had voice clips for it so if you rename the roster to the real player names it would actually say all of them Oh, wow. That's so cool. Okay, continue, Nate. Sorry. Because there, there was, like, people... Oh, yeah, man, we got deep in the weeds on that one. We were talking <laughs> about Final Fantasy cool. Squad in Traverse Town. Yeah, like, I just thought Traverse Town was really, really fun, and, like, seeing all the Final Fantasy characters there and a few Disney characters. Because, like, you got a lot of what was the Final Fantasy... You get a couple more Final Fantasy characters through the course of the game, but you only got, a, a, like, a taste of the Disney stuff in Traverse Town. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, I feel like you got most of the Final Fantasy stuff there, but... You got the taste of the Disney, and then when you finally got to leave Traverse Town to start exploring, you got all the Disney. And, and do you get flavor blasted with Disney? I want to point out too that Traverse Town is where you eventually meet up with Donald and Goofy for the first time, and you kind of have like this Scooby Doo thing going on, where like you go into somewhere and then they come out another door and they're like, "Where's the king?" Pretty sure I mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, my favorite line of that was definitely uh, Goofy like mouths off to Donald about something, just disagreeing with him, and Donald's like. Ah! What do you know? And Goofy's like, gosh, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, you gotta love Goofy and Donald. Like, 
like I don't know how they decided that those were going to be your main squad, your main homies mm-hmm. through the game, but it was such a good choice because they had so much freaking personality and just having Donald and Goofy play off each other through the entire game is fantastic. Yeah, I, yeah and then your character is just kind of a witless, brave, but kind of heroic boy and just very, very honest and genuine and nice. Yeah, Sora is 14. But a little bit brash. In his first game. He's the most, and he's the most 14-year-old yeah. anime protagonist guy. <laughs> he really is spiky yeah, he hair is. and all. Um, it, played by Haley Joel Osment, I want to say? Yes, Haley Joel Osment played Sora. I, I, I want to talk about voice actors in a little bit, but I think that can come a little bit after we start talking about more of the game. Yeah, I think we're still on kind of... I, I, honestly, we're still up to first impressions because I feel like the game spends the first like five hours making first impressions. Because I feel <laughs> yeah. like there's the intro, then there's the first island, which sucks. Then there's Trevor's Town, where it's like, okay, here's a hint of the magic to come, and then you select an actual Disney World to go to next, and then you're, you know, that's when you're off to the races. But I, oh, but I wanted to also say, what, it, what, how did you guys feel like Trevor's Town? Like, what it made you think of? Because to me, it felt weirdly. Like almost kind of like a New Orleansy place in a lot of ways. I got I got kind of like um, Island Town, not Island. Like what is like ugh. New Orleans is probably the best. Like kind of swampy, kind of I don't know. Like yeah, I get where you're coming from. New Orleans does seem about right. That's amazing because I took it as like a quaint little European town, maybe even Eastern mm-hmm. European architecturally at least in the the main area when you start going into the the other areas it's a bit more artsy fartsy looking but like yeah i had it as being very french in nature like if not new orleans then actually in france or belgium or something yeah okay so yeah we're all on the same lines we're just thinking different parts of the world but same culture (laughs) Mm. i got you yeah um although like i say i guess like like the the one area just reminded me more of like uh you know, uh, not Russia, but more towards that area. Um, mm. Although, let's say Belarus for no reason, yeah. because none of us know anything about Belarus, so we probably won't get in trouble. We, do we, do, if we have any Belarusian <laughs> listeners listening, then um, if you're not uh, a VPN, bonjour. hit us up. We want to know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> I said bonjour because I know that, that is definitely not how you say hello in whatever language they speak in Belarus. I'm sure it's just Russian, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to check that out. Because if it's not, I know it's definitely one that uses the Cyrillic alphabet and is very closely related to Russian. So Belarus language. It's just Belarusian, and it's very closely related to Russian, and they also speak okay. Russian there. <laughs> so it's basically... Be- but you said they speak Belarusian? So yeah. it's just like Russian with a bell. So everyone's just got high-pitched voice. It literally Stop means it. white Russian. In oh, Russian. dude, then I would like to drink a Belarusian. <laughs> Those are delicious. Mm. Let's have a big Lebowski day sometime. Yes, bitch. I am so down for that. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and so is it um, Squall that ends up telling you more about like the Heartless or taking yeah. over and that you need to use mm. the Keyblade to start closing these doors, like locks in all these different worlds to help stop them from being destroyed like the Final Fantasy world apparently was. Yeah, and uh, he's the one that also, I think, tells you about the keyholes. and Because uh, something to do with him is that when Sora gets the key... No, I'm sorry, Sora has the Keyblade and he recognizes it. 
because you have to fight yeah. him at first. <laughs> Did you guys yeah. win? I beat yeah. his ass. Okay. It, it, ass. It's funny to me too because the the I was looking through the walkthrough to make sure I wasn't like looking too long in one place and I could go to the next area or whatever. And it described that fight as believe it or not, you can actually beat Leon in this fight. And I'm like, what? I I kind of kicked his. I just didn't stand in the middle of his attacks. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to think. Uh, this game was marketed towards people who were a lot younger than we are now. So, like, kids might have not thought to, like, dodge for per se. <laughs> this FAQ specifically was written for the HD remix, though, oh. so they had time to get better. <laughs> then, I, yeah, I have no argument there. Get good, son. Now, maybe I'm <laughs> I'm the one that's over there dodge rolling and stuff because I have played a Souls game or two. But, but yeah. Um, so then he basically tells you that you guys need to go out and... And Donald and Goofy are the ones that are like, you know, I'm not going to try to do their voices. I was going to try to do Donald, but I can't. Um, they, I just they have a ship basically for the Donald voice. Now, would you like to use this point to talk about gummy ships or do you want to talk about it later? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the gummy ship. I thought the gummy ship sucked. I didn't enjoy those segments at all. It was like a really bad, should have been a twin stick, but they didn't use it as a twin stick. You had one stick to steer and aim your weapon to fly these really dumb space sequences between worlds. I, I did not enjoy the gummy ship stuff at all. It was a bad Star Fox, which is still pretty fun for me, personally. <laughs> Especially because it felt very easy and minigamey to where I wasn't worried about anything going wrong. I Yeah, it just felt like a waste of time to me. Yeah, it, it definitely had, between that and, like, Vine, or not Vine, like, land surfing down the trees in Tarzan world or whatever. <laughs> it definitely had that early 2000s, late 90s, Squaresoft doing too much. We had to have another mini game mm-hmm. here type of vibe. Which, you know, Final I Final Fantasy appreciate. 7 motorcycle hitting the guys <laughs> off of you. I was literally thinking of Final Fantasy 7 snowboarding, but that one also extremely applicable, yes. I, uh... I remember as a kid, like, when I first played this, the gummy ships annoyed me because I thought it was really hard. Um, the one thing is, I really didn't bother learning the assembly of the gummy ships either. Me so. neither. I did, I did not like it when I did it, and so I was not going to put the effort into learning to do it better. Well, I mean, you can beat the whole <laughs> game with the base ship. Yeah, I yeah. did. So, like, I uh, <laughs> I like going around and collecting them, and like every now and then, later, kind of spoilers. Uh, later on, when Geppetto is available in Traverse Town, you can go and talk to him periodically, and he'll give you blueprints for ships. And as long as you have the pieces, you can go in and just select the blueprint and you have a new ship. So I was using uh, Bahamut. And I meant to take a screenshot of it, but Epic's weird with screenshots. I don't know the button for it. (laughs) It's not the same. No, I've been using my NVIDIA um, screenshot button on Epic Games, which is Alt-F1. Is it? Oh, I'm going to try that then. Yes. (laughs) Maybe I can get a post. Well, no, I'd have to reinstall the game, but. Oh, yeah, fuck it. Doesn't matter. You already uninstalled. Wow. Oh yeah, dude. Once I beat it, I uninstalled it because I was like, that game is fifty something gigabytes, and because it's it's like because <laughs> it's like five games in one or whatever. So I was like, yeah, I'll get rid of this until next yeah. time we play it. But um, uh, yeah, I ended up using Bahamut, which is with this cool looking ship, and I put extra guns on it. So I basically was able to just fly straight and shoot and hit any enemies that were coming at me with the guns that I had on there. And uh, just kind of maneuvered through rings and such as needed. But um, (laughs) so I played this before I ever played Star Fox. Right. Mm. Um, 
So when I played, when I got my Super Nintendo Mini and loaded up the original Star Fox and started playing it, I was like, this is shitty gummy ship. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that is fucking blasphemy to so many people right now. They just turned off unsubscribe. I'm not saying gummy ship is better. I never played the original Star Fox growing up. I tried to play it as an adult. It's not easier it is, to play. Okay. Star Fox yeah, 64 was way better. Okay. The problem is me and Nate both played 64 way before we played the Super Nintendo one. And the Super Nintendo one suffers from being a 3D game before 3D games were worth playing for the most yeah. part. Yep. Kind of like hard like it, Yeah. No, is it, yeah, very much. That, that whole... I'm sorry, but the 16-bit consoles really mostly should not have done that. Although I seem to think that... I remember the Sega Genesis Virtual Racer actually being pretty good. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, so like growing up, I didn't mind it. As an adult, I don't mind it. I, I don't love it, and I don't hate it. It's kind of just a part of the game for me. Um, I also want to say, I felt like that segment felt... For some reason, it felt like the most unfinished looking mini game part yeah. too. Like yeah. all everything looked a lot like default untextured assets. And yeah, there's massive pop in. Yeah. Um and again that might be a product of its time. Uh but still I think there were the other phrase games. Product doing of it its better. time is gonna come up a lot today, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I have some product of their time things to talk about towards the end of the game for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I will say um the oh, excuse me, I had a little frog in my throat. The uh, gummy ship stuff doesn't get does improve. Uh, they just they just hang out in there, man. <laughs> um, but it does improve. Like up to in Kingdom Hearts three, the gummy ship stuff is in a three D space, and like you okay you, all range you actually mode. fly around and all yeah, pretty much. Um, so. And it's it's just a lot cooler looking. It's a lot sleeker. Um, still has about as much to do with the game as these do, but it's still just like supposed to be a fun little side mini game thing for you to do. For what it's worth, I liked the gummy ship as a plot contrivance, and I kind of liked the aesthetic of it to a degree. I just thought that the mini game was just kind of mid, yeah. which to me was still fine because. It was enough that it felt like I had to do something to get to a new land, and you get the ability to warp drive to places you've already been early enough that I didn't think it was any kind of huge problem. Yeah, and yeah, I agree with that. There are, I think, like trophies related to going back and getting like the highest score you can throughout the the gummy ships and stuff like that. But that's just for people who want to get a completionist. It's not required at all to get it to the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. I try. I went for like the next star up score on a couple levels early on, and I'm like. If I want more stars, I'm going to need more guns pretty soon, and I don't want to mess with the blueprints and stuff. But now that I know there's pre-assembled blueprints that have, like, more guns on it, yeah, I'm just going to build a Bahamut or whatever and just throw a rocket launcher on the end of it and a BFG-9000 in the tail and call it a day. Yeah, I'm not creative enough to come up with my own ship and make it, like, you know, usable. (laughs) <laughs> so to explain the blueprint system real quick there's there's a default ship called the kingdom which you can name and customize and all that and then you pick up blueprints that are like pre-designed ships that look quite different and are made of different parts uh anyone who wants to explain customizing blueprints can do so if they want but um, i didn't bother learning it because it seemed like way too much wonk for such a minor part of the game quick quick yeah. overview then just 30 seconds um there's a bunch of different parts they're called gummy gummy blocks i don't know why it makes mm. me think that the ship is squishy which is just an interesting <laughs> feeling thinking to me that 
anyway, yeah. Um, Which is weird because the gummy blocks in game look like hard candy. They do. They don't look like gummy candy. They do. And when you're building them, they almost kind of look like Legos as well, like hard candy yeah. Legos. But Lego is the vibe I got from the actual ships as built. Um, but you get into a big 3D square or cube grid. And you work on levels, and you can set the pieces down. Um, you know, you have your corner pieces, your your basic crafting shapes, um, and you can kind of build whatever ship you want. You're going to want to put your cockpit in because that's needed. Um, everybody needs a pit for their cock. <laughs> <laughs> and then you want to, you know, put your guns on there and everything. But you also want to try to make it like not wide enough that when you go through those rings, it's going to smash and damage your your ship or uh, you don't want to put your guns facing the wrong directions for instance sometimes I've, i back when i was a kid i accidentally put a gun, cannon or two on there and faced them the wrong direction not paying attention so it's just shooting rockets behind me for no reason <laughs> so yeah, that's basically it Fart rockets. you can just go in. I, i'm sure you could create some monstrosities if you wanted to and had enough pieces i feel like if i cared to i could probably get really funny with that mode it's just i felt like there didn't seem to be much reward for nah, it there's really yeah. not um there's no keyhole to seal for it. I don't think that there's any kind of monetary reward in the game for it. Just yeah. score. Have you told me that I got the ability to like, I don't know, summon some crazy thing if I had like the high score on every gummy ship, then maybe one day I could see myself getting back that to it. That might have had something to do. I think it was maybe getting the high score on all of those and sealing all of the keyholes back in the day would unlock the secret ending. But you can watch that shit on YouTube now. Yeah. So it's really just there for completionists at this point. <laughs> but yeah, that's gummy ships. I mean, you fly around, you shoot things, you get scored. It's a long, it's like, yeah. do you remember back in the day when Tekken would put Galaga in their loading screens and shit? It's kind of like an interactive yeah. loading thing <laughs> while they're pulling in the new world. Oh man, Splatoon had the best interactive loading screen when you're waiting for matchmaking where you could play this game called Squid Jump. Anyway, that's <laughs> completely off the rails here. <laughs> But yeah, so the whole point of Gummy Ship basically is to get you from one world to the next and it just to have you do like a little mission between those two worlds. And there was one part where the Gummy Ship played a part of the plot that I thought was kind of interesting, but we'll get to that. Well, it was actually two, technically, but one was more interesting than the other. I'll give you that. <laughs> well, I mean, even in the very early going, the fact that you're finding gummy pieces on planets is why they suspect Mickey Mouse might have been there. Because he's also a gummy ship pilot. Yeah. Yeah, and he also shits gummy blocks. For those of you who didn't know. <laughs> anyway. Gosh. Gosh. So at that point, you're basically going around to these different worlds after that, trying to seal their keyholes, and you're looking for Kyrie, because Kyrie's not missing, is the whole thing. Like, you landed it there, and you did not find Riku or Kyrie once you got to Traverse Town. So you're kind of going through the universe looking for them. While taking Donald and Goofy looking for Mickey while you're looking for Riku and Kyrie. And if we didn't explain who those are, Riku is like your childhood friend who's kind of the Billy badass of the group. And then Kyrie's kind of like the nice little girl from your hometown. Yeah. Riku yeah. is your rival. And your yeah. guys' rivalry is basically over who can get Kyrie to like them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and they wanted to share a typical 14 uh, year old anime voice. Yeah, the Papo Fruit. Which I kept wanting to call Starfruit for some reason. Because it looks like a star? Yeah. Well, I'm like, yeah, it's a Papu. An Aku Aku fruit. Um, yeah, there's, that's basically like 
that's the the three main characters because it's like the other not to go back to the island but the other three were kind of just like you guys pointed out kind of just there why were they there they didn't have anything to do with anything it could have just been riku kairi and sora and it would have been the exact same they just needed to fill it with some more final fantasy characters i feel like they were like let's just throw them here oh i mean they let you do combat practice that's true and you got experience for that yeah, so I, I have heard the tale of someone who grinded up on the first island of the game fighting Tidus over and over again just to get, like, levels because he didn't know if he'd ever get another chance to. <laughs> what? How? Uh, Some people play video games in astounding ways. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so that kind of leads to your first choice of where you want to go. You can go left or right, or I guess north or south, however you want to look at it. Yeah, and each planet you kind of get a preview of. It has like heartless scale on it, where like it has like a basically a difficulty level on them. So it's kind of encouraging you to go to the ones with the lower um, heartless ratings first. So like the one on the left is a one, and the one on the right is a two, basically. So I think most people are going to end up choosing. Well, let's go to the one on the left so we can kind of feel out the game a little bit in the first real combat section. Unless you're me, but again, not my first time going into it. So I was like, yeah. I'm going to go to the other way first, get that out of the way real quick, then go hit start hitting the other ones because I know that I can't go back to the other one until later. Okay. Yeah. Um. So the the one to the left that we're referring to is Wonderland. Um. I have some opinions about this world. Curious what you guys think first, though. Yeah. Wonderland is the first world that I went to for sure. And out of all the ones, it's like bottom tier. It's not the worst world, but it's not anywhere near one of the good ones to me and like i think the thing that is to this game too is like the more you like a property of disney you're probably gonna like that world a little bit more too yeah in a lot of regards sure. but like i never really cared for alice all that much and the land was kind of interesting i did like that it had the um mechanic of taking the potion to get small and get big i thought that mm. was kind of neat you know kind of taken from the movie but all in all i didn't think the world was that interesting personally were either of you ever in that room and you were small Sora and regular size Heartless spawned? No. No. Because holy shit. I had never seen that before. I don't know if that was new to the HD remake or the remix or whatever, but I'm like running around as little Sora and all of a sudden, boom, like three normal, which, you know, they're normally small when you're big Sora, but they were massive as little Sora. And I'm like, what in the hell? They still went down relatively easily, but I was just so taken aback. I was like, "How is this something new? I've ne- I've played this game like twenty times. How was I never?" So it's got. I guess it's got to be something. Just it was just included in the new version. Yeah. So the thing about Wonderland, I felt is um, that I think that it's the last tutorial stage of the game. Yeah, I agreed. It basically has, what what you do is, like, they're accusing Alice of being this big criminal the queen is, and you get the opportunity to find pieces of evidence to prove that she's not the big bad guy that's hurting their planet or world or whatever. And so, you basically, actually, this kind of is like another fetch quest. I lied a little bit, where you have to mm-hmm. go around was- the forest and look for four little items to help prove that Alice isn't the guilty party. Yeah. Or, or you can do the none. The good news is you get... Oh, yeah, please. No, I was going to say, or you can do none. Like, you can, I think you can go and just talk to her again and be like, or you can go find one piece of evidence and then turn it in. Um, but if you find all far, then the Cheshire Cat teaches you a magic spell. Yes. Blizzard? 
Blizzard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that I is my most used spell so far in the game. Yeah. Again, I only got to about nine hours. Yeah. Um. So, my opinions on the Alice in Wonderland world. Um. You could have included something else and made it more impactful. Alice is not a princess. I agree one thousand percent with that. Um. So, it was kind of inconsequential. You know, and wasn't really a lot going on. It was cool to see the Cheshire Cat. I love that character. Yeah, but. I absolutely wanted to throw that in. Is like, I wish we would have gotten more random. Stuff. We get a little bit of White Rabbit, and we get, but we do get a good amount of Cheshire Cat. And I think that was delightful because he definitely kept showing up and just being kind of a dillweed and being helpful at the same time, yeah. and always being cryptic and just grinning menacingly and standing on his own head. And I was like, yeah. Thank you. This is good. You know, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Dalton, though, that using Alice as one of the major princesses for this was a weird choice that was wrong. And I, One of the main plots of this game, just to get this out, is that there's like something going on that involves seven princesses needing to be obtained by the bad guys. Seven princesses yeah. of heart. Um, but yeah, they, they, there's a whole thing where they, they take Alice and then they're there and they're like, she's not a princess. And uh, it's it's like what the what the fuck did we just do that whole world? For? <laughs> yeah, uh, and so I feel like that. it was mainly there to teach you to, how to do your platforming and your action RPG combat at the same time. Basically, yeah. I will say the boss fight I actually struggled with that at first. One thing that I finally I learned that I wanted to do before boss fights was make sure Goofy and Donald were equipped with potions and things. Yeah, because hmm. God um, forbid Donald cast a fucking cure spell when you need it. <laughs> that son of a bitch okay continue sorry yeah. long-seated it hatred takes you a while to get one yourself but like this that is, boss was a pain in the ass for me at the beginning this is before you have a cure spell too so if donald and goofy just decide to get themselves killed then it's really all up to you and it takes like 30 seconds real time for them to come back to life after they killed if you give them a potion they come back there's like no need for like phoenix yeah. downs in this game like you can't heal them and they'll just pop back which up. is nice i only discovered that after getting the cure spell that was the problem <laughs> um but yeah i mean some of the puzzles i didn't in have Wonderland, too much problem with that boss i actually only died once in the time i played nice. that was to the That's uh impressive. the the reverse robot in traverse town and it's because i spent too long casting my cure spell uh-huh. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, like even the, yeah. some of the the puzzles and stuff in Wonderland, just they aren't telegraphed well, which that's another problem with this game, and that probably a thing of its time is that some of the worlds and things you're supposed to do are not telegraphed well, which I know we'll get to here in just a second. <laughs> there is a very specific world that I'm going to complain about while also complimenting it, but also complaining about it. Yeah, like I, I don't feel the need to go too heavy into details of what you do in every single world. No, you want but... if you guys want the story, play the game. Yeah, exactly. But I want to so, go ahead and say I want to go ahead and say up front that can I just complain about one thing? Yeah, Tarzan's world, the deep jungle, absolutely felt like you going in a loop of the same five rooms over and over again, and there's yeah. really long transitions between each of those rooms because yeah. you have to keep doing the climbing and the jungle vine swinging and the sliding back down the tree. It took me forever to figure out that there were places you could climb up. So I was like, "What the hell am I doing here?" But oh, you didn't see the ivy. Was I? I, I think it was. It looked nice, and I liked the story there. And Jane would have made a better princess for this game than, <laughs> yeah, 
Jane was tight. Yeah. I liked her. She she seemed very yeah. just very noble and a good balance to the characters she, there. And this one actually had a Disney-ish boss where he actually fought Clayton from Tarzan, who was kind of possessed yeah. by Heartless at the end of the stage as well, which I thought was a much better touch than the weird just Heartless boss in Wonderland. Yeah. And yeah. Jane did have a little bit of fish face. Like, but that's just the animation <laughs> of the time, I think. Like, but yeah. I so something I want to touch on as the game as the whole. Uh, how do you feel their 3D representations of characters were? Uh, Mostly very, very good. Dude, like, specifically the dog from 101 Dalmatians, the male dog, like... The, Pongo. Mongo, thank you. I couldn't remember his name. The the render of him, I'm like, that's my buddy. I Yeah. Oh, my God. When I first walked into the Dalmatians house in Traverse Town and just saw Pongo and Perdita sitting there looking sad in an empty house, I was like... Oh no, where are all the I've gotta go find all the puppies. I know I have to find all the puppies. And yeah. then when I did find some puppies and came back to them and they were so happy and they nosed me a little box full of potions, I was like, I am the happiest boy it, alive. I'm gonna help these dogs until I die. Ex- exactly. Dude. It's just such a <laughs> yeah. warm feeling. And yeah. This game has a lot of that. Like playing on yeah. that Disney nostalgia. I, I this is going to sound so cornball and like I'm regurgitating some marketing that they've been trying to shove down our throats since we were born. But if Disney magic is a real thing, this game absolutely knows how to evoke it. The mm. environments, the worlds, the plot hooks, everything has you feeling like you're going on a big old Disney theme park adventure. And it's really charming. Now, yeah. while we're on this subject, before we move on, you guys want a fun fact? Sure. sure. This was the first time Mickey Mouse was ever rendered in 3D. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So they had to sit down and figure out how they were going to render him, because they were like, we know what he looks like in 2D, but... Uh, but you can impressive. always have his ears face the camera in 2D. Yeah, so it was like, <clears throat> how are we going to do that? I thought that was really cool. I watched a, uh, after I beat it, I watched a retrospective, and some of the stuff he was talking about was like behind the scenes, and that was one of them. I was like, really? Surely I'd have thought there had been like a Disney short or something that, no, this, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then the other world out of those first three worlds was probably my favorite out of those three. And it was a recurring theme in the story was that one, this one world was Mount Olympus. Hercules! Yes. Throw back to one of y'all's first episodes on the show. And uh, all three of us definitely have a special relationship with Hercules at this point. <laughs> Fun fact, guess who did oh. the voice for Hercules in this game? Oh, oh, oh. Um, nope, the person I'm thinking of is a different character. Never mind, go ahead. Sean Astin. Huh. Sam? <laughs> really? Sean, That's wild. Sean Astin was the voice of Hercules in this game, which I thought was pretty interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of Lance Bass. That is a no, different somebody character. Else. <clears throat> that, we'll get that is a very different character from also Hercules. Comes that, up is, in, that is the opposite of Hercules. In uh, the Coliseum. Yeah. yeah. We'll get to that at some point. So he's like, I forget what the first task even was at the Coliseum at this point. I think it was just to do one of the tournaments. And like, I actually no, had, first had to just it. break some barrels to prove that you were qualified to do the hero tournament. And then he still kicks you out. Then Hades basically gives you a pass and like, hey, buddy, go fight in the yeah. tournament. Wink, wink. Yeah. And I actually had trouble with it the first time. So I actually went and did. Um, so that I did go there second. But I was like, I'm actually having trouble with this. So I just went to the Tarzan world. And in Tarzan world, you actually get a new um, key ring there, so you actually have a more powerful weapon when you go to um, yeah. that the Coliseum. So I thought that, that was jungle cool. key is like your first big upgrade. Now, 
I have a thing for that original Kingdom Hearts key. Yeah, like, it's special. I want one to hang on my wall, like like a replica. But mm-hmm. that first upgrade, switching to that jungle, is a, is like the first time where you're like, oh, okay, now I'm three shotting Heartless instead of having to hit him six times or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. it's that first upgrade where you're like, okay, okay, now I just need to start getting through getting better keys and better keys and better key blades. Like, yeah. yeah. And I it will starts say, to feel like an RPG at that point. Yeah, and I will say you do want to consistently go back to Traverse Town because new things will open up in the item shop where you can buy better weapons for Donald and Goofy as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I definitely made sure to buy uh, Donald a more um, a more combat focused thing because he felt like he was absolutely just getting maced the moment he ran out of MP. So I got him like one that takes away one of his MP but makes him hit harder. Yeah, fair. I, I mean. Hold on, continue. There's something I want to talk about the weapons, but I can bring it up in a second. I, I got to look up some information. I literally only have the second round of weapons. Like I said, I'm in. I'm like one or two worlds ahead of what we're talking about now. Yeah, and so then after you finish like those three worlds, it kind of like I forget you have to go back to Traverse Town. You get a new um, gummy block, essentially a story gummy block, essentially that Sid installs into your gummy ship, and it lets you go to more worlds to continue your search for. Um, Riku, Kairi, and um, Mickey. And then at some point, the story starts getting a little bit more convoluted, but I kind of just don't care. And I kind of want to talk about the worlds you still go to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, qu- quickly, uh, the, the two best weapons for Donald and Goofy are called... Uh, Donald and Goofy uh, get Save the Queen and Save the King, uh, you know, um, respectively. And those are from Synthesis. Not the item shop. Oh, okay, that was what I was going to get yeah, to. My, the weapon I used for used for Goofy at the end of the game, I got from at the Coliseum. It was the Hercules. Yes, shield. bitch, the Herc shield. Yeah. Also, <laughs> Keyblade that you get from the Coliseum, one of the best in the game too. Yeah, I used that till I got a better one for sure. This is funny, is I was when I tapped out of the game briefly, it's because I was getting tired of random combat. But now you guys have me thinking about upgrading weapons again. And I'm like, I gotta get back in there. I want to mix it up again. The problem with combat to me is like I found magic very difficult to use and i just ended up mashing the punch button most of the time it was real easy to get interrupted in any situation where magic would actually be useful so you had to use it at the end of a string and you might as well just keep on stringing i will not lie to you guys my magic use this playthrough was solely for environmental puzzles yeah, I, I was almost there with you. I kind of wished by that point I was that cleric. I had used my um, second best stat to be the shield so I could take a few more hits rather than use, have the magic power. So I didn't think magic was that great. Um, this is, but yeah, so then. Oh, real quickly, sorry. Uh, this ahead. is the game, though, that installed in my brain that when I'm playing games, if I see torches that aren't lit, I'm going to light them all just in case the chest appears. Or like uh, if there are, if everything's lit, I might put them all out. And see what happens, yeah. um, because Kingdom Hearts has a bunch of little shit hidden throughout the the levels where you can find hidden chests and stuff. But you just happen to like, uh, like for example, in Hollow Bastion, there's a bunch of chests that are just floating, but you have to cast gravity on them, and then they'll float down, and you can open them. Oh, that's how you get them. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just left them. I didn't care. <laughs> I was trying to beat the yeah game at that today, point. Yeah. So. I agree. <laughs> um. So no. It's like then. The next couple worlds you go to, the next one, because like you get that upgrade from Sid, and you can continue on and go to more worlds that are the other direction from um, Traverse Town. I think the first one after that was Agrabah, right? Yeah, Agrabah is the the next place I went, unless you count the uh, storybook. Oh yeah, 
I don't really count the storybook too much. I didn't do much there, though. Dalton probably has more to say about that than I possibly could. Yeah, I, I can but, read the storybook in a little bit. We can talk about Agrippa first if you want. Yeah. And Agrippa, was, I thought, was really well done. Like, it, like you go through the city and the Cave of Wonders. You had, like, three boss fights in Agrippa, which I thought they were all pretty interesting. Like, I actually liked all the boss fights in Agrippa. Technically, there are four, but one of them is a secret boss. And, and fun yeah. fact about that, or I'm sorry, it's a super boss. It's one of the hardest bosses in the game. Its name is Kurt Caesar. Do you guys remember anything about that? No? Okay. So Kurt Caesar was the name of a fan that when the game was getting translated and was going to release, get it released over here, he won a contest to get an enemy named after him. So he got the super boss named after him. and the, So it's just some dude named Kurt Caesar. But Kurt Caesar. Da, 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 da. It's this giant fucking thing that appears out in the desert. Like the carp, magic carpet flies you to it. Um, mm. But that's not till way later, way later in the game. I don't recommend doing that until you are uh, at that final save point and decide to go grind for a while beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. But the fun thing about that world, too, is like you can actually have Aladdin switch out from one of your party members and have Aladdin on your squad, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, you end up fighting the Cave of Wonders itself <laughs> to get inside the Cave of Wonders. And then I what well, I wanted to say I really enjoyed that boss fight against the Cave of Wonders. And again, the I don't know what was up with the walkthrough I found, but every opinion they had was wrong. <laughs> like they were like Leon is almost unbeatable, and I'm like the Cave of Wonders is a miserable boss fight. And I'm like this is the most fun I've had because I'm like I got my boys on the ground dealing with the heartless the cave spawns, and then I'm up there attacking the actual cave and trying to dodge the lasers and keeping an eye on their health so I can cast cure on them because that's about the boss fight where I realized I didn't have to be anywhere near my teammates to cast cure spells on them, yeah. and the whole fight felt really holistic and huge at the same time. And I felt like. As far as a game, as far as I played in it, that felt like it justified the action RPG combat the most. And it just for an early game boss, felt like it was you're spinning the exact right number of plates for a boss fight. Yeah, yeah. It's the first like uh, big satisfying boss fight because even the, like the big fucker yeah. you fight at the beginning is is kind of a pain at that point in the game. Yeah. And, like, the other two bosses, I don't think it's going to be shocking to anybody, is Jafar and Genie Jafar. Like, this game does a really good job of taking beats from the movies and implementing them into their game. Like, at the end of the... This is a little spoiler, I guess, Willie, but I don't think you'll care. Is at the end of the section, Aladdin's... Genie's like, okay, Aladdin, use your third wish to find Jasmine. Because they ran off with Jasmine, of course. And Aladdin's like, okay, Genie, I wish for you to be free. Yeah. (laughs) And just... And at that point, Genie actually becomes a summon for you. Yeah. Oh, sick. His, his job is to come with you to help you find Jasmine. So he becomes a summon. Yeah. Yeah, so it does really cool stuff like that. Um, Aren't summons in Kingdom Hearts like little crystals you carry around, though? That doesn't sound like he got all that free. So... That one you like, get free. It... There are crystals that you take them to the fairy godmother in Merlin's hut, and she'll yeah. turn them into actual summonable spells for you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, uh, man, if my internet wasn't being weird, like right now, I would pull it up. Oh, I can do it on my phone. The the list of the summons, but continue. Yeah, and so yeah, that's pretty much all of Aladdin's world. But then I think this next part, you get to choose between two other worlds you can go to after that one and or the other, and it doesn't matter which one you pick because you get in your gummy ship. You start, you go through the gummy ship mission, and all of a sudden, halfway through the gummy ship. Monstro the whale pops up and eats you. <laughs> now, this is 
kind of off topic, but was also seriously on topic and also mind blowing. The world is very small. <laughs> so in order to try to avoid um, spoiling what was going to happen for Willie at the time in the chat, I wrote to Nate, I think I know what part you're at. Does it have anything to do with Gorgira? Or, or Gorgira song or something? My intention was thinking of Flying Whales, which is the name of a really popular Gorgira song. Um, and apparently... <laughs> uh, do you want to pick it up here? Like where? <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I was trying, because I was still in Agrabox. Dalton thought that I was past it or whatever. And so I was like trying to come up with like, is there a way for me to tie Agrabah to Gojira? <laughs> and I ended up finding this thing, which was honestly a Facebook post from a con where this Japanese guy was there who apparently did work on um, the Gojira movies and was also the Japanese voice for Jafar. In the Kingdom <laughs> Hearts game. <laughs> In the Kingdom Hearts game. I was like... I'm like, yeah, this, yeah, Dalton, I don't know how the fuck you ever thought I would get there from here, but yeah. So I'm, like I said, I'm thinking flying whales. And when Nate goes, Jesus, that's a deep cut, I was thinking to myself, well, he probably just doesn't listen to Gorgira much, not realizing that he had gone down this fucking rabbit hole and found this connection that was there that I had no idea about. He wasn't even thinking of the band, but that's yeah. amazing. I was thinking of Godzilla. We're going completely different directions. But yet we both got there, and like in different ways, but we both got there, kinda. I was thinking about Monstro. He was thinking about Agrabah. But still, the fact that you found that link, wow. I mean, I know. And I said that to you. You were like, "Holy shit, dude!" <laughs> and you could see why I was so goddamn confused and like thought you were an insane person for a few minutes. Oh, absolutely. It's like, how did you know that? Why do you have that information in your fucking head, sir? <laughs> but yeah so monstros i think this is really the coming out point for riku because i think you'd seen him a couple more times but he really comes out as kind of a villain here where he's like taking on that darkness role because he's like the ying to sora's yang or however that works yeah. um and so like he kidnaps Pinocchio, essentially, and you have to go help free Pinocchio and get him back to Geppetto. Because Geppetto and Pinocchio are inside of Monstro, too. <laughs> yep, just chilling. Yeah, so you have to fight through a bunch of Heartless, and it, this is kind of a mazy area. Pull up a guide when you go through it, Willie, just to save yourself some headache, because it's not fun. Yeah, <laughs> it is another... You, you thought Deep Jungle looked the same, sir. Yeah. Wait, let me tell you, this was my least favorite level, uh, second least favorite level on the PS2 because muddy CRT resolution in Monstro, it was so easy to get lost. Yeah, I can see that for sure. But yeah, you have another boss fight there that's more like rescuing Pinocchio from Riku's captivity. Um, yeah, something like that. And then you finally get out of there and you can go on to the next world. But the funny thing, you get jump scared by Monstro while in your gummy ship. I thought it was a pretty funny use of the gummy ship. And the one point that I thought the gummy ship was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he kind of just comes out of nowhere. And you're just like, what in the fuck? Yeah. So then you get out. Then you can go to one of two other worlds. Um, one of them was... I love both of these properties a lot two choices here like they're two of my favorite disney properties period but did you love both um, worlds 
but did but you I did love not both, love both worlds? worlds no. <laughs> so one of the choices here is um, Atlantica, which is Yay. like one you're, you'd probably pick first because it's the lower um, heartless scale level, which is the Little Mermaid. Oh, okay. Which is really, it's kind of fun. Like, I liked it because, like, you have a new mechanic. And something different here happens that I think it's the first time it happens in this game. Your characters change form. So Sora becomes a mermaid. Merman. Um, Merman. Merman, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Donald, I think Donald was a seahorse. Is that right? But No, uh, Donald had the, uh, the octopus legs. Oh, you're right. He was an octopus. But my favorite was Goofy's a little sea turtle. Aww. Goofy's so fucking, fucking adorable, cute. yeah. Like his shell is his uh, shield. And, yeah, and you meet up with Ariel, do this trident stuff, and then I think you know who the boss here is going to be. Yeah, a giant <laughs> shark. Who'd have thought? It's Monstro again. It's Monstro again. Yeah. Yo, I meant, I meant uh, when you asked me about farming experience, Nate, not that it matters now, but I meant to tell you that that shark, you can farm that shark because he'll keep showing yeah. up and he's good experience. But uh, yeah, you got to yeah, fight Ursula. Fair enough. And yeah. uh, all, from from all intents that I've seen online, um, the the second Ursula fight, uh, where she's big Ursula, uh, most most Ursula. people hate that. They think yeah. it, I got through it pretty easy. I fucked her up, bro. <laughs> I went in there <laughs> swinging hard. It's like you said, Willie. People have bad opinions on how hard the bosses in this game are. Um, I will say that is the other most confusing designed level in the game. So feel free yeah. to use a guide for it as well, because it's kind of a mess. Yeah, I know that going into, like, when you were trying to tell me, hey, just get to Traverse Town, what you were really trying to tell me is, I promise the opening area isn't that long, but it is as bad as you think it is. Get past it so we can play the video game. Yeah. But now that we're in, like, spoiler okay-ish territory, I'm like, yeah, just let me know in advance if a world's going to be a pain in the ass, so yeah. I'll know. Little bit of pain in the ass. I think it's fun because, like, you—it's a new mechanic. Like, you're not just walking and running around; you're swimming, and you have to have well, yeah. swimming mechanics. Well, I thought that navigating Agrabah was a pain in the ass, but it was also fun because hopping from rooftop to rooftop felt like something from Aladdin. And yeah. It also reminded me, in a way, of the Aladdin 16-bit platformer games. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and like how the Heartless are dressed up, like the area they're into. Oh, yeah. that yeah, they really came into their own in Agrabah with all the like scimitars and like turbans and stuff. Yeah, and they're they're all mo- most of them are fish. There's some like little spearmen looking guys in the underwater area. Yeah. Um, the thing that I'm surprised about is that you could cast thunder underwater and everything didn't just immediately <laughs> die. Fair. <laughs> Not something you can get away with in Quake. <laughs> But yeah. then once you leave there, you can go to the next one, which was by far well, Monty and Dalton's favorite world. Quickly, I, oh, I just right. want, I did want to tell like what I was telling you uh, in our uh, chat. Um, Atlantica was my least favorite fucking level on the original game by far because, again, muddy CRT screen, real hard to see, wasn't brightly lit. You know, like new screens, now you have your brightness, you can turn up and stuff. You didn't have that shit back then. So it was just this dark underwater thing where you had to, like, scale the walls to kind of see the trident to figure out where to go. And it was just, it was a mess. Made it much better in the HD remake. Much better. Yeah. You could you could really see where the tridents were pointing you. There was the one part where you're trying to get the big Ursula, which I don't know how you were going to find out if you didn't know where it was. That I'm glad that I had a guide open at that point just to find it. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, you got to find the right dolphin. 
Oh, How the fuck would have known that? Yeah, it took me forever when I was yeah. a kid, bro. Forever. <laughs> Man, I don't know why, but you talking about swimming around and finding Ursula and stuff really just put me in this big nostalgia of running the Little Mermaid NES game as a kid and being absolutely delighted that it was actually just kind of a fun beat it or shoot 'em up game almost. Yeah, it's a good video game. That's one of those underrated NES games for sure. Underrated and underwater. I'm going to get back and play that one again sometime. It seemed really good. Yeah, uh, Those Disney games for the NES really did a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Disney NES games were actually pretty good for the most part. Like, but yeah, we digress. I'm not going to say I'm, I loved every moment of Tailspin, for instance, but I liked what it tried to do. Yeah, yeah so then the next world, we're coming up to the last few worlds too, by the way. Yeah. It was mine and Dalton's favorite by far, I, I think at least. Yeah, and fun fact, I've never seen this movie, but I love this world. I know. How the fuck? I know. <laughs> If this is what I think you're about to say, I am also really surprised you haven't seen because this. I don't like watching movies by myself. Um, oh, this would definitely be one to watch with someone who either really loves it or has never. I seen was going to watch it with yeah. Megan, and because uh, she loved that mm. shit, and we never got around to it. And then I like, was like a handful of people that that always happens. They're like, "Yeah, we need to watch that movie," and we never do. So I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it's Halloween Town. Like, really, I think that was one that you were kind of looking forward to as well. Yeah. And it is beautifully made. Like, everything about it's like, you have Lock, Jock, and Sparrow hanging around. You have the mayor, Jack, Sally, um, the professor. Like, everybody that you'd want to be there is there. And, like, and it's so funny because the scene when you get there, you see, like, all these heartless around. And you're, like, ready to go in there and start swinging. But they're just chilling and vibing in Halloween Town. They're not even trying to fight you when you first get yeah. there. And, like, you get there and you get the whole impression that, like, Jack and them just think this is normal. These are just normal people. And and, all, <laughs> and when you go to Halloween Town, you are full-on goth Sora. Uh, yeah, nice. Like, the costume design. Like, they give Donald, Mickey, not Mickey, Donald, Goofy, and Sora all costumes in that area. And it's so yeah. beautiful. And if you actually look closely at the Heartless and stuff, you can see that the Heartless are more patchwork. So, like, everything's got this, like more crafted look because you know the movie was obviously crafted claymation that kind of thing so yeah um i just thought that was a really <laughs> I, nice touch yeah Spirit i love halloween will literally sell you a, a story of kingdom hearts halloween town costume even mm-hmm. that's awesome like I, that should have been a skin for him in smash now that i've played this game i'm mad that it's not <laughs> um, petition uh <laughs> um and then the other thing about that, like Zero's there, because I love Zero so much. Zero's one of my favorite designed characters of all time. The dog. Yeah, little ghost dog. Yeah, I love Zero so much. But Thank it's you a, for saying the dog, because I was sitting here like, from Mega Man? What's <laughs> happened here? Yeah, so like, it's a. I think this world was pretty well designed. It wasn't too confusing, and like you got to interact with everybody a lot. The problem with this world is the boss fight sucks. It, it, canonically I can understand why because they wanted to make it look like that scene from Nightmare Before Christmas where you're underground and he's got Santa Claus I'm doing the whole scene with Santa Claus but god it just made for a kind of annoying fight yeah it's it's very much a like if you know what to do it's stupid easy as long as you don't get hit with the dumbass dice he's throwing at you now Dalton before we get into the second yeah. part I don't want to talk about the second phase of the Oogie Boogie fight. I just want Willie to see it. Yeah, that's totally cool with me. That's totally okay. cool with me. 
Okay. I, I, again, I promise I am not done with this game. I feel like we're giving a lot of mixed bag impressions of it, but I think it's kind of obvious that we're enthusiastic yeah. right now. It's like, I'm not even... I, I loved it, and I don't want to tell Willie about it, because I want him to be like, what the fuck is happening yeah. here? Like, I was when I saw it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and then you open up one of the last worlds after you beat um, Halloween Town, which I, I really liked this world, even though I don't like the hero from this world at all um neverland neverland is next yeah yeah it, the actual I peter, peter pan i fucking hate peter pan peter pan is a piece of shit i hate him um but captain hook's an amazing villain yeah. but i fucking hate peter pan yeah if you do think about peter pan too hard he's kind of a it's, creep and it's very weird bro yeah, at very best he's guilty of extreme child endangerment <laughs> yeah i hate peter pan i really do I don't know why, I can't really explain it, but I get horrible, horrible vibes from Peter Pan. <laughs> Here's the thing about Peter Pan is um, he is eternally a child, which means he's probably like way older than all the kids he's bringing in there, too. He knows what he's doing because he has the experience, but man, I don't know. that The dude who abducts children, that yeah. seems... I'm kind of on Captain Hook's side, guys. I'm kind yeah, of on he's Hook's kind of side. <laughs> Captain Hook just wants he just wants revenge and treasure and stuff. I understand that. That's those are normal things everyone There's wants. There's lore too that uh the 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 boys that grew up are the crew for Hook. Like are the ones that you know don't fit the mold for Peter Pan anymore. Everybody grows up yeah. by him. Yeah. Fucking creepy. But anyway, I thought that world was fine, and it kind of like caps off the main. Disney, and you fight Captain Hook at the end, and I liked him. I liked Captain Hook. Fight. You get a cool mechanic in this one where Peter does teach you how to fly, so you do oh. have flying mechanics in that final, like that boss fight. Yeah, and then Man, you get a glide ability, have, which is cool. I really hope it feels kind of Nights into Dreams ish. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah, it's like, not bad. You know, in, kind of think of it. Nights into Dreams is kind of a Peter Panish thing too. It is, but less creepy. I, <laughs> yeah, I just never thought about it before. I mean, Knights is kind of a creepy looking figure too, but it, it's so ethereal and strange that it doesn't come off like Peter Pan. Was, I'm just a little boy. Yeah. Like that, that joke about John Mulaney chasing a woman down by a train. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, you kind of get into like where it starts changing into a weird JRPG kind of <laughs> situation. Before like, we get to that, can I say one thing now you mentioned Hook and stuff? Yeah. I want to say, having all these villains and princesses and stuff in proximity to each other, it's actually kind of interesting how much each of their individual personalities shine through. Because you get the impression that Disney villains are all kind of different. They aren't all motivated by the same thing. They don't all have the exact same techniques and tactics. And the way they don't get along in a lot of ways is really fun, too. It like. Is. It really does give you a sense that these characters were more deeply written than you. Like, it's it's really easy to imagine these kind of stories being written by the book or whatever. But I kind of got a newfound appreciation for the depth of character and even simpler characters. Yeah. Like, you would never expect Jasmine and Alice to do the same thing now, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, like I said, this next section does, like, get more JRPG. It's when you first really start getting into Riku being, like, a main villain. And Riku... <laughs> Okay, so you get into the Hollow Bastion, which is like the original Kingdom Hearts area, which I think is very confusing, but also very cool. I think it's designed to be confusing, and it works in its situation better than it does in, like, Atlantica. When I was younger, I thought that that was Beast Castle. Uh, and it always confused me when they were when the Squall, Leon, excuse me, was like, 
this was originally our home world. This was, you know, whatever. And you're like, well, I'm like, wait a minute, you didn't live at Beast Castle. What the fuck are you talking? <laughs> I was actually going to ask if it kind of resembled Ultimisha's castle in any way. Because that was also a deliberately confusing character. Not on the inside. Final Fantasy game. Yeah. On the inside? Okay. Yeah. Just wondering. But, like, I was going to forget to bring up Beast shows up here. Because Beast is apparently the only character whose world was destroyed that was like, no, fuck this. I'm not staying here. I'm finding Belle. And he ends up in Hollow Bastion looking for Belle. <laughs> Riku's like, how'd you get here? Or whatever. And Beast is like, where's Belle? <laughs> Beast wasn't having it. <laughs> Dude, and he's crucial to you. Um, because there's a, there's a plot point, um, that's going to affect combat for a little bit. Yeah. Twice in this world. Um, yeah. But yeah. But I was going to say, wait, is Beast still fully beastiized? And I realized, wait, a lot of the times these, these worlds seem to exist in the beginning to middle of the plots of the original movie. He's still beast and he looks Like they even changed what Aladdin's wishes are used for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Uh, but I'm just going to go through a little bit of the plot here because I think this is interesting how it works. But, like, first you meet up with Riku and fight him, like, to get... I'm not going to get into the plot point of that, but you fight Riku and then that part's over. And then you move on and end up fighting Maleficent there as well. Yeah. And when you beat Maleficent, like, Riku's gone full dark mode at this point. He takes... He has his own, like, dark key now. He sticks it oh, into shit. Maleficent and turns oh, Maleficent into the Maleficent dragon. Yeah, a darkness-infused Maleficent dragon. And that, sir, is probably the first, like, harder boss of the the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then after you beat her, you have to fight a second form of Riku again. And um, then there's another smaller boss fight that's stupid at the end of that second, like, when you have to go back. Because, like, I'm not going to get into the plot there, but essentially, like... This is where you start getting into the Ansem stuff, where like you find out okay. Ansem's kind of behind the darkness. He's the one trying to open everything up to the darkness, because he believes that the darkness is the way forward instead of the light. And so Ansem's yeah. been using Riku and the um, Disney villains to start trying to pull all this apart. Ansem, by the way, is a name you hear very early on in the game, and is apparently the person who was researching the Heartless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the the trying to find the report of Ansem is like one of the main early plot points that Squall and all the others try to get you into. Yeah, you know. I'm just thinking about Kingdom Hearts too, and I'm like, dude, it just starts getting so fucking deep, like almost immediately. (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculous. (laughs) Like after that, you can do side quests or whatever, or go to the last world, which is the end of the world. So, which has one of my most unexpected and favorite boss fights in the game. Before we touch on that, let me run through Hundred Acre Wood real quick, and then let's touch on Colosseum a little more. Okay. Um, so that sounds fun. Yeah, I want to know a little bit more about both of them because I expect them to be things that continue to open up over the course of the so game. So yeah, Hundred Acre Wood. The more you find torn pages, the more of those little spots will appear, and each of them are basically a mini game that has to do with Pooh and friends. And they are literally there in existence. For for one, when you do them all and complete them all, you can seal the the uh, the lockbox on the book. When you go to shut the lock, it's a keyhole, so you seal it. Um, but they're just all little mini games. But it's so charming because it's Winnie the Pooh. You know what I mean? Like it's the most wholesome part of the game. There's no combat. You're just in there vibing. Oh, I'm sorry. There might you smack some bees in one of the. Many games, but that's it. There's no heartless there. Oh. 
Also, the, the Hundred Acre Wood is presented... Every other world is a place you physically travel to on the gummy ship, as far as I know. The Hundred Acre Wood is just a book that Merlin has. He just has a copy of a Winnie the Pooh tome, and he's like, you jump into it, and it says, like, when you go to each of the sections, there's, like, a place you can travel to. It says, read this passage. And I just thought that was really yeah, nice. It's super cute, dude. It's it's there just for, like, some levity to get away from the battles and go chill, and it's it's super cute. I love it. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, he was over there freaking his bean about trying to say goodbye to himself because he thinks he's going to disappear, but he has no idea how to say goodbye to oneself. Yeah, it's so cute, dude. Uh, and when I was a kid, it was one of my favorite parts. I just always was uncontrollably smiley when I'm in the Hundred Acre Wood in this game, and it's still true to this day. Um, like I've said, the game has so much Disney magic and stuff, but the fact that the music when you're going around is like just a remix of that, like Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh music just really brought me some big old smiles. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's just something that's just so guilelessly pure yet wickedly funny about the universe of Winnie the Pooh, yeah. you know? Yeah, because real. Like, there's, there's sarcasm and kind of mean jokes, but all of it's really harmless. And at the end of the day, the worst thing that happens is you get stuck in a hole for a little yeah, while. Yeah, because you ate too much honey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the Coliseum. So, like, once you end up unlocking that, you kind of start getting the cups. And I think it goes Phil Cup, uh, Hurt Cup, and then Hades Cup. Mm-hmm. And then question mark, question mark, question mark, question marks. Mark. Yeah, okay. So, um the the first fill cup is the first one that you can do um and then you go and you beat a couple more worlds then when you go to travel chippendale which who are also in the game they're your gummy navigators show up and they're like hey there's a new cup open at the coliseum you should go check it out or excuse me a new tournament so then you go and you can do the hurt cup and then you end up uh culminating that one you end up fighting hercules uh and i won't go into details of the mechanics i'm gonna let you figure that out for yourself but you have to be a hercules um at some point oh, that was pretty easy honestly at some point you have to fight cerberus is it after hercules when hades is- i didn't get oh you didn't it must have been during the hades cup because i had stopped after the hercules cup so like i did the first two cups okay there was a test fight against cerberus in the beginning of the plot of Coliseum. oh that might have been oh, yeah. that what you're talking about? hades brought it that's what it is okay yeah when he basically when you after you beat cloud he basically turns Cerberus loose on everyone. Hercules shows up and saves the day, but then you go back in to help Herc. I'm glad you mentioned Cloud. Yeah, you do. You beat Cloud's ass, which felt good. I mean, to be fair, he seems to have peace-bound his buster sword. It's just kind of dinking against you. He's also dressed like Vincent. Did you notice that? I didn't, but as you say that, it does seem more like what he's dressed like. Uh, I did notice he was dressed really goth, but I didn't pick up that it was Vincent. Apparently, originally, that was supposed to be Vincent. But then, like, some story changes and stuff happened, and they were like, all right, let's make it Cloud. He's more, people will recognize him more. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Maybe Dirge of Cerberus didn't do so well or something. I don't know. But, but uh. Wait, Dirge of Cerberus? That makes so much sense now that you've said that. Literally, Cerberus attacks him. If it had been Vincent, that would have been, like, a reference to the game Dirge of Cerberus. Yeah. But I think because that game tanked, they were probably like, let's yeah. go with Cloud. Cloud sells. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, he does. But, but who's buying? <laughs> Literally everyone. <laughs> yep. Uh, I just wanted to try and make Nathan laugh with a Megadeth joke. He he didn't bite because he 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 was. I busy. saw it coming. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> um, so the Hades Cup is long, and you go through, and you have to fight. Uh, at one point, you have to fight Squall and Cloud at the same time. 
Jeez. And let me tell you, those two teaming up, whew, it's a rough fight, right? And then you end up having to fight That's Hades funny. at the very end. And uh, by the way, one of my favorite Disney villains of all time, James oh, Woods. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You might be a crazy fucker, but like, God, you are good at voice acting. <laughs> I'm glad they brought the real guy in for this one. This is one of the, you know, best ones. Like, that and Gilbert Gottfried's Iago. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. No, like, I don't think that they could do it. Well, I'm sure that they've done, like, some straight to VHS Aladdins that I haven't seen where Iago wasn't Gilbert Gottfried. But, um, I'm pretty sure that he was in all the movies. It was just they had they replaced Robin Williams for the second one. Uh, oh, yeah. Robin Williams is not genie in this game either, as far as I remember. No, yeah. it's not. Yeah, it's cause Z- I don't know who Zelda it is, if it's again. the guy that was in Aladdin 2 or if it was someone else. But um, So, the, the question marks. Uh, I'm going to talk about the, the two that aren't the one that I want to cover. <laughs> so, like, the one is an ice giant from... Or, I'm Ooh. sorry, excuse me, the ice titan from Hercules. Nice. The nice. only fight that I couldn't beat. Um, I, My magic isn't high enough, and... I didn't. I was not good at using guard at the right time to hit the ice shards back at him to do damage and stuff. So it just wasn't good. Um, the other fight was the Rock Titan, and that was fun. It was like Cave of Wonders on steroids. All right, cool. I'm down. Like I said, I really enjoyed the Cave of Wonders. Fight. So we happened to mention earlier that Cloud just in passing is like, "I'm looking for somebody." So the other question mark that you can click on, you click on it and it is Sora, just Sora, standing there in the Coliseum and all of a sudden superhero pose drop, boom, and this music's playing. And like you can see and he stands up and you see the long fucking white hair and that get up and the one wing just comes out. And you're like, oh, shit. And then there's Sephiroth standing in front of you, and you have to fight him. And um, I did beat him. It's the only it's the second time I've ever beaten him. Nice. Um, it took me, oh, I don't remember the exact number. It was over 20 tries. <laughs> he has a health bar that doesn't start to go down. His, he has so much health, the game doesn't register it. So, like... You have to wail on him for like 10 minutes before his fucking health bar starts slowly knocking down. And you are relying solely on curing yourself and the limited amount of items that you have. So you're going to want to do this later in the game when you have more item slots open and when you have way more MP. You know what I mean? Um, Probably would have been easier if I had grinded up the max level and then tried it. But I beat him at level 70-something. And, uh, yeah, I will never attempt it again. (laughs) I did it as a kid. I did it as an adult. I did it as a kid with a game shark. I did it as an adult with no cheats. And I'm proud of myself. I didn't cheat. (laughs) Good job. And, uh, dude, it would have been so much easier to cheat. (laughs) It would have been so much easier to have infinite health and go in there and whoop his ass. But, um, yeah, very satisfying. And then fun another fun fact for you. After you beat him, there is a cutscene of Cloud walking in and confronting Sephiroth. 
they then have a fight that you get to watch a bit of. That scene rendered in 3D inspired Advent Children. Wow. That makes sense. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah. Like apparently when they were doing that, I guess Tatsuya Nomura, whoever it was that it was the, the guy who helped Advent Children, was like, I want to make this fight longer and more epic. And that just blossomed into <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. Nice. So I thought it was cool. So yeah, that's yeah. it. And then that's basically the Coliseum. You get the Olympia key. Um, you get the Yellow Trinity from there. We didn't even touch on Trinities. There's a bunch of these little things yeah. around called There's Trinities. There's some mechanics we can't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last thing that I wanted to bring up about the game, period, because I don't even want to talk about the end of the world, end of the world. I just want to say there's one boss you fight before you can get to the actual end of the world, end of the world, that took me completely by surprise that I was really stoked about seeing. And that was Chernabog. like the demon from Fantasia. <laughs> I just thought that was such a cool reference and such a good fight. And it made perfect sense for the end of the world. I just loved it so much. Yeah. Um, it's like both a deep pull, but like the moment someone says it, you're like, oh, that is such a sensible pick to be like the last big inhuman boss you fight before you go against like whatever the sentient final beasts are going to be. Now, Willie. This is specifically for you now, and listeners, if you're playing through the game. When you get to that last save point, and it tells you this is your last safe haven, it is not joking. You are about to go through a lot of boss fights in a row. Yes. Go stock up on the best items you can afford. Load Goofy and Donald up with, like, some Mega Elixirs and shit. Like, go grind if you feel like you might not be strong enough. You don't need... You, you know, neither of me and nor Nate beat this game at max level, so you don't need to be max level. But if you feel like, I was like level fifty, yeah, if you feel like you know, I could be a little stronger. Go run a coliseum or two; you'll be good. Yeah, but but I think that's all I really wanted to say about the game. Like, yeah, personally, yeah, yeah. I think one of the things we wanted to touch on was the voice acting. I think we handled that kind of piecemeal we throughout have, the episode. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say that. It was such a product of its time because it had like Haley Joel Osment as Sora, Hayden Panteri as Kyrie, <laughs> and then this is the weirdest one to me. This one, like when I saw this, I was like, "Huh? Do you know who Mandy Moore voiced in this game?" Mandy Moore was it Aerith? It was really, huh? <laughs> they were just like, "Well, you kind of look like Aerith. Come here." Yeah, that was one that I was like the most taken aback by. And also I thought that Ansem being voiced by Billy Zane was pretty great too. Because Billy Zane has a great voice. And just knowing that Ansem was the bad guy from Titanic makes my day. (laughs) I, Ansem. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So you want to go into ratings or any other final thoughts? Yeah, I I have a quick final thought. Um, What did... So, just... Quick run through of what we're getting into with starting this series, and I, you know, um, chronology. This is the story in order. So, Kingdom Hearts is actually the game we just played is fourth in the chronological timeline. So, the first one is Kingdom Hearts Key. That's the phone game. <laughs> so, probably watch a, a YouTube video about that sometime, and then talk about it on the show. But then there's Birth by Sleep. Birth by Sleep is the first playable, and then there's a fragmentary passage which is in the 2.8 collection. It was the 2. Point, okay, so a fragmentary passage was a teaser 
basically graphics wise four three. Then you got Kingdom Hearts, then Chain of Memories, three hundred and fifty eight over two days. Kingdom Hearts two, then coded Dream Drop Distance three, Melody of Memory, and four, which hasn't come out yet. So we are literally just like scratching the surface. Yeah, and I am excited. This is why it. we were so. This is why Willie and me were kind of like, I don't know if I want to get started into Kingdom Hearts, but I games. can confidently say I'm kind of glad we have now. <laughs> it's fun, dude. They're yeah. fun. Um, so ratings, gentlemen. Before we get into questions, if you were going to give this some gummy blocks, how many would you give it? Let's start with the wills for what you've played so far. Too much game left to play. Um. Honest to God, I'm abstaining. Okay. Fair enough. What about you, Nate? First, Rocky of a Start as this game got off to. I feel like it really pulled it in and made itself super interesting and fun. I think that it could have done some things to make combat better, but like this is a 2002 action RPG. It's so early for its time that I think it actually handled most of that fairly well. Um, I had a lot of fun playing this. It hits you in like all the right spots. Like the story wasn't so emotional that I ever found myself tearing up or anything like that, mm. but I did think it was a good story and well put together. Yeah, I agree. Um, for me, I think this goes to up there for me. I think it's going to be an eight and a half um, Keyblades out of ten Sephiroths. Wow. Bro, that's way higher than I thought you were going to give it. I'm not going to lie. Well, bro, when I first started, I hated yeah. it. And then by the <laughs> end, like I stopped playing Tears of the Kingdom so I could finish this game. Yeah, fair enough. Like, I haven't played Tears of the Kingdom in two days now because I wanted to beat this so badly once I got into it. It's the redemption story. That's saying a lot. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, I was thinking, I don't have a score yet, but I'm, I wanted, I, I should have got at least a ballpark, which is saying this game is still looking at about a night and ceiling. I can see this being like a great, 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 great game that I want to play more of the rest of the series of. And even if it stumbles a little bit, it probably doesn't get worse than a seven now that I'm pretty sure I'm through all the worst. So I feel like when I do give it a score, 8.5 also seems very likely to be about where I'll end at unless I really don't like the finish. And uh, my nostalgia always adds a point. So I'm going to take that away and give it an 8.5 as well. Um, Because this is not my favorite game in the series. But this is the beginning of one of my favorite series. So I got to give it credit where credit's due. One thing I do have to say that's product of its time. It's the last thing I really wanted to mention this (laughs) on the episode. The song that fucking plays at the end of this game sounds like something straight out of a 2002 teen movie at the end. Watch me walk away. Just like, I was like. Yeah. Baby, (laughs) simple and clean. Yeah, dude. (laughs) <laughs> the fact that Nathan is busting on your 2016 movie video game music when he loves all of Sonic the Hedgehog's music. Dude, Sonic the Hedgehog music rules. Come on now. There's a difference between Crush oh, know, 40 just, and whatever this thing was. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm many kind of positively about Crush 40 because they're unapologetically corny as yeah. fuck, and I appreciate that. There's a sincerity to their butt rock. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say, anyway. yeah, so uh, Simple and Clean... I guess wasn't in the original Japanese release, but it was in the re-release, and it was performed mm-hmm. by Hikaru Utada, which I guess hmm. was a pop idol at the time, big over in Japan. So if anybody's into yep. J-pop, there you go, little nugget of info for you. Yeah. All right. So Dalton, you want to want me to run us into questions now? Yeah, dude. Let's run through some questions, then I will give my host pick, and we can get out of here, sir. Hell yeah! Sounds like a plan. We have a lot of questions, so if we don't spend a lot of time on one. 
It's because we hate you. Just kidding. <laughs> this first question comes in from Adam. What is a game you wish you had bought physically instead of digitally? Um, I can come up with two immediately that I wish I would have got physical versions on Switch for these. Um, I wish I had the physical version of Dead Cells and Hollow Knight. Uh, yeah. I know Nate's going to be like, why? But I really wanted that limited run release of Battle Chef Brigade that they did for Switch, mm. the physical of it. Yeah. But by the I time, me about that. But the time I played that game, I was like, oh man, this looks really, really cool because I uh, pirated it on PC to see if I liked it before I played it on Switch. But I bought the game on Switch. Um, it was $70. It was yeah. 20 when yeah. Limited Run released it, or 20 or 30, and it was 70 And I'm like, damn it, man. I'm not paying $80 for a game that I can go spend $15 on the e-store for. Yeah. So. That's the problem with the LLR releases is just that people scalp them way too hard. Yeah, and they, it's a bad I, I feel like it's unfortunate. Uh, That's a, yeah. The reason I don't like the limited run games, I like, I like officially release things, but I don't go for limited run stuff. Like I get the concept. I like the concept of limited because it gives games that couldn't have got a physical release a release. It's just the scalping and yeah. reselling markets kind of really corny. And I, I don't know. I'm with you on that. I also wish I would have gotten a physical release of Persona 5 Royal. Um, I just think just even to have it for like PS4, PS5, whatever the hell, just to have a copy of it would be super cool. Yeah. Um, cause I had a copy of the original P- P- uh, Persona 5, but I gave it to Ryan for Christmas and he played it for an hour and I think it's probably still sitting on his shelf if he hasn't sold it. So <laughs> R- Ryan, um, send that back. I'm going to go ahead and say, <laughs> go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and say, I really don't, um, particularly have much of an attachment to physical game media anymore. I've gone all digital for quite a while now, and I really kind of prefer it. If I were to get something physical, what I'd really like would be just to have kind of memorabilia of some of my favorite games. Like, I could see myself having a little boomer shooter collection of, like, I don't know, statues, recreated guns and stuff of the monsters and weapons and stuff from, like, Doom, Wolfenstein, Quake. Uh, Probably Dusk is going to end up being a big one if I get back around to that, because I was really impressed by the first episode of Dusk. I'm surprised you wouldn't want the the big box PC versions of those. Just sit on, like, put them on the shelf. I already have a... I already had a, a CD-ROM versions of all the Quake games and all the Doom games, and while I do think the big box stuff is cool, I also think that that's going to be, like, really... I don't know, hard to, uh, hard to come by today relatively. And it's just, it, that isn't my particular collector's bag. Like I'm not really a physical collector That's for fair. the most part. Fair enough. Like I w- if I had like a little, like, I don't know, like a little statue of the doom guy, I'd be like, Hey, there's that little guy. I like, I'd be like kind of cool, but I don't know why having a box that has doom in it is doing me any more good than having a computer that has doom in it. Fair enough. Yeah. But I mean, right. it was just, it, yeah, it doesn't matter. Continue. Yeah. No, I, no, I get what you're saying. I do think those big boxes are really cool, and I understand wanting to collect them. It's just they don't do much for me now. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right, our next one's also from Adam. What is some of the worst video game sequels? Oh, can I jump on this yeah, one? Jump. Because I want to cause controversy, and it's probably not even an opinion I'm going to agree with when we do the game for the show. But for right now, I want to say that as much as I enjoyed Quake 1 and Quake 3, I think Quake 2 is brown and dull and is best known for its multiplayer, which wasn't as good as Quake 1 or Quake 3's. And the actual plotline is boring. I don't like the Strogs. I miss the setting from Quake 1. And I don't like it. Okay. Fair enough. Dalton, what's one of your worst sequels? I'm trying to think, man. Uh, okay, I got one I can jump on. That, then. That's really me busting on a 7 out of 10 game just because I don't like it in a 10 out of 10 series, you know? Well, I remember when I was younger, I really loved Spyro the Dragon. It was just a fun game where you could run around and do stuff. 
And then the second game came out, and it was so much more dialogue-heavy, and I remember being embarrassed playing it. So I'm kind of interested to play that again, because I do have the um, collection, the whatever, the remastered collection. for Reignited, Reignited, yeah. So I do want to see if that still have that opinion when I play it again, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. Spyro 1 is still a great game, though. Oh, yeah, Spyro, tremendous. I haven't played it in years, but I remember really liking it as a kid. And having played the Crash Reimagined series too, like I'd like to kind of compare and contrast those two, you yeah. know, because I felt like those were the big platformer 3D games for the PlayStation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Spoiler: You're gonna like Spyro more than you like Crash. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I already yeah, know I'm that sure. just because I, I, Crash was frustrating and Spyro has a lot more exploration. Yeah. Crash gets better though. I I, I don't know. Spyro really came in hard with that first game. I don't remember two and three. Yeah. I remember one though. <laughs> I yeah. remember Crash 3 the best out of the three Crash games. Um, Fair enough. Looking forward to it. I mean, obviously the answer is Tears of the Kingdom, right? Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking just Green Goose Simulator. Um, nice. <laughs> no, the 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 my my answer, honestly, and we played it for the show, is probably Outlast 2. Oh, yeah. As much, as, much as I loved the first Outlast, and it, the first Outlast made me shit my pants, like... I felt like Outlast 2 lacked in it had all the atmosphere in the world, but it was more jump scares, I feel like, than anything than real like tension terror. Like the yeah. the first game was just there were moments where like it, you had to remember to breathe when you were playing it. They're like, okay, the enemies cannot hear me actually breathing. I can breathe while I'm sitting here. Like, pause the game, chill for a second, get your wits about you. And I thought Outlast 2 was going to be more of that with religious cults, and I loved that kind of shit, and it just wasn't. Yeah. I feel you. All right. This next one's from Adam. What is your favorite Disney movie you either hope to see or saw in Kingdom Hearts? Um... For me, I really saw it already, and I hope they do more of it in future games. I don't know how Kingdom Hearts handles that, but I want to see more um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. I guess that means I do get to. Thanks, Dalton. No, I maybe not. Maybe maybe your dreams will never come true. <laughs> um, Willie, what about you? Um, to be honest, I was slightly sad that the Lion King seems to have been relocated to a uh, summon thing in this game. So, kind of hoping we get to uh, jump in there and visit Pride Rocket sometime. Okay. Okay. Um, because I mean, I, I was really stoked about Aladdin. That's the thing. We are we got our Aladdin. Yeah. And I think the way they use the 101 Dalmatians is also really cool. Yeah, I, love I don't really think you could get a full world out of that, but I think that's the greatest collectible they could have done. Yeah. So, since Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, Disney acquired a franchise. They acquired two franchises, now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Are you thinking of Marvel and Star Wars? They could do anything with this now. Imagine landing on a planet and your keyblade is a lightsaber keyblade. <laughs> this almost sounds too much, but on the other hand, too much is never enough I mean, in the crossover market. Think these about days. how Star Wars y Final Fantasy twelve is. It's basically a Star Wars mm. story with a Final Fantasy skin slapped on it. So like Does this mean we could have Thor Star and Hercules meet each other in <laughs> Holy shit, yes. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts is the key, no pun intended, to bringing those characters together. <laughs> um, 
I love it. Uh, yeah, dude. But think about, like, yeah, Marvel World, where like you can see that you're you're fighting the Heartless with the Avengers. <laughs> Bruh. Okay, I would love to see Hulk jump out of the sky and double axe handle one of those suckers. Right, a big giant Heartless. Oh, oh, what if a Heartless takes over the Hulk? That's scary. And you, you, oh shit, Heartless Hulk would be oh, awesome. Hire too. a square. Come on now. <laughs> you're developing Kingdom Hearts Four. We'll write for you. I'll learn Japanese. All right, I was off board at first, but now I kind of want to play this. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I always, I often complain about superhero fatigue, and then they do something cool, and I'm like, you know what? I did like that. Yeah. No. <laughs> or Kingdom Hearts could go the Thank cool you for route. Guardians of the Galaxy and shit, and they could not reference any of the fucking famous popular shit right now and they could go like deep cut marvel shit if they wanted like condiment man even though that might have been dc but you know (laughs) you gotta fight darkness infused swamp thing or something anyway yeah that's mine right so this next question is from adam what did you think of the final fantasy character portrayals in kingdom hearts i mean i loved it one of the first messages that Nate sent to me about with this was like, I could see why you liked this game as a kid. Major Final Fantasy VIII representation going on, and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. The only thing is, is like, I like it a lot. I wish there was more of it. Like, I feel like it was limited very much. So, like, you didn't see a whole lot more after you got deep into it. I can kind of see why at the same time, but I, I, I'd like to see a little bit more. Um, I mean, I do think it stinks a little bit that they mostly stuck to the PlayStation-only games instead of giving us some chances to see 3D versions of the 1 through 6 yeah. tactics characters. But you know what, man? I went, I really went like... I was so mad at the game for the first 90 minutes. And then Donald and Goofy warmed my spirits. And I got to see Sid and Squall and Aerith and Yuffie. And I was just like, here, I'm back here with my friends and I'm having a good time. Let's go. Yeah. Um. Not not to like be a too much of a spoiler. Unfortunately, as the Kingdom Hearts series goes on, it gets less Final less Fantasy. Final, it becomes more of a Final Fantasy style game with less Final Fantasy characters mm. in it. If that makes any sense, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But I felt like the Final Fantasy characters were dealt with in a fun way, where they seemed to fit in with the story. They were treated with a way that I thought was very respectful of the characters and the situation they come from, without being like you know. Oh, they're all the ultimate Billy badasses of the universe. Except, obviously, Sephiroth is like the ultimate and boss fight. What, one thing that I think this series does really well as a whole is nothing felt, as far as characters go, in my opinion, other than Alice, felt shoehorned in. You know yeah. I mean? The Final Fantasy I agree, which fit. is wild in a situation where everything is literally shoehorned yeah. in. <laughs> but they made it work, which is just cool for them. Yeah. 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 All right, so this next question comes in from Kana, and there's actually an image that goes along with it. I posted it in our um, recording room chat at 9, 10 p.m., 8, 10, 10 p.m. your time. So a game mm-hmm. with lewd imagery. The game's actually a lot of fun. So what's your example of that? I think Dalton's probably the best one to ask this, because I can't think of any. I don't try to tend to gravitate towards games with lewd imagery. It's just not what I do. I mean, I've heard good things about Honey Pop, for instance. I, again, this isn't really my bag. I kind of keep these two things separate for me, you know? Yeah. It's not me being prudish so much as just saying, like, I, I would rather have a really good video game or, like, really, really good, good erotica, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I don't think that's unfair to I don't say. I do um, Okay, so I have a couple answers. 
do it. But there are games with a lot of fan service. I mean, even like just characters jumping up and down and showing their thighs and stuff in fighting games, mm-hmm. you know? And if you're going to go down that route, I guess Chun-Li does Chun-Li hit that for me. Or Dead or Alive <laughs> as a whole. <laughs> Dead or Alive may cross over so much into that zone that it no longer is as functional as a fighting right. game. I mean, they turned it into the awful volleyball game, and then they took the volleyball itself out of that series. Yeah, and just made it about them in swimsuits. They made Dead or Alive Extreme without volleyball That's in it. Funny. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Um, I might have to find that and emulate it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Let me know. I'd, I'd love to know what it actually does um, do. You mentioned Honey Pop. That game is way more fun than it has any right to be. That's what I've heard. I've heard it's a really good puzzler, and it's a really fun like visual novel, too. It, it is. And like the, the nudity in it is tastefully drawn, for the most part. Um, Like, it's nothing overly... Grotesque is not the word that I want to use, but that's the word that came to mind. Um, it's just explicit. It's not overly explicit. Like, they're naked, but they're not, like, getting pounded or anything. <laughs> um, another example... Unless you download this phone, $99. Just kidding. Another example I can think of is, like, um, Sinran Kagura, which is, like, an mm. action game, and it, when you're doing really well, your clothes explode off. <laughs> um, and there's just, like, jiggle physics and things like that. And... Uh, it's a fantastically fun game, though. Like, run around hack and slash enemies and shit. It's really fun. Like a warrior-style game, but your character's titties jiggle. Um, nice. Okay. And then there's this game that I play. I've got, I'm looking at it right now. i got 14.3 hours into it so far. It's called Monster Mon Piece. And it is, like, you collect monster girls. Um and you set them up in like this RPG kind of team battle thing where it's almost like a uh, like a game board of sorts. And you put your people down and then they try to walk forward and you have to defeat the other people's team and then make it to their other side and then attack them. So it's almost like chess in a way. Um, but the, <laughs> the lewd part of it. Sorry, the I'm lewd just part thinking about the fact that People prefer to find uh, the later Fire Emblem games as, quote, chess you get horny for. <laughs> yeah, it's not wrong. <laughs> Fire Emblem Three Houses was chess with persona elements. Um, mm. But the, the lewd part in Monster Mon piece is like to raise your affinity with your, your girls that you have. Uh, there's this like mini game that's in a lot of games like this. I think it's a game, a mini game like it in Gal Gun, which is another game that's fun. It's a rail shooter, but there's titties. Um you you uh, click around on their bodies like they'll be laying there and in, uh, in clothing and stuff and you click around on their bodies to find the zones that uh, please them quote unquote and you're trying to raise their pleasure meter and they're doing their whole like Ooh, oh, yeah, oh, as you're poking okay. around on them and stuff <laughs> and then uh, you they don't get completely naked unless there's a mod that I don't know about. But they get very scantily clad once you hit them to their pleasure zone, and then you get uh, it like raises their affinity towards you, which I guess helps you in battle and stuff. So, yeah, those are check them out. Monster Mon piece. It's not super expensive on Steam. It's fun, and the battles are actually entertaining and strategic. Like you actually have to use some strategy too. It was impressive. All right, next question. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I me get back into. No, the you're window. fine. <laughs> I saw that somebody else added another question. So, <laughs> all right. Our next one is from 
Adam, this one's specifically for you, Dalton. Have you ever been on an airboat, and do they have those trucks that have the corkscrew wheels, or is it not swampy enough where you live? Okay, so I've seen airboats. I've never been on one. I think they are obnoxiously loud, <laughs> um, and they're very disruptive. Like, So people take airboats through the Everglades and shit like a big, loud machine just blasting over the water isn't going to fuck with the ecosystem at all. Um, they also run over land, which I find unnerving for some reason um the corkscrew wheel things uh i didn't know what the fuck you were talking about until i saw a reference posted to it no i've never seen some shit like that that looks like some military shit that i have don't have the clearance to know about (laughs) cool all right this one's from down here we got four by four trucks (laughs) (laughs) this was master loot what are your favorite pre-smartphone era mobile games snake Played a lot of Sudoku on my old phone. So I had this game on my phone. I don't remember what it was called, but like, it was like a tower building game where like there was this like crane that would swing back and forth, and you had to try to place the next part of the tower on it and balance it in such a way that the tower wouldn't fall over. And the higher it got, the harder nice. it got. And it was really fun. I played that game a lot while I worked. It. And here's the thing about me: you guys might not know. I was a very late adopter to smartphones, so I had this phone while I was working an office job in 2012, uh, playing this non-smartphone game while I was not entering things into spreadsheets. <laughs> I think me and Abe both got smartphones when we were working at the same place in about 2013. Yeah. I think we both were just like, let's just get iPhone 4s, it's well, over. <laughs> would you guys also like a Sprite Zero, Mr. Cornets? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> You're late about <laughs> Um, I don't know, man. It just was. I don't know. It was, I'm now. I've never gone back, and now I have like up to date, like almost current iPhones every time. But <laughs> I mean, like I said, I'm kind of boring. I really like Snake, so I would always play Snake. I yeah. do have a shout out though. Early, early um, smartphones. There were two apps in particular by the same company. This company went defunct, so both these apps are no longer available. I did find APKs of them, but because they were uh, like service games, I can't play them anymore. But one was called Hellfire: The Summoning. And it was a card builder deck. Like, you would build your cards and stuff. But the way you attacked enemies is they would show up on your screen and you had a ball. That was a ball of energy represented by the three cards that you had on that particular one. And then you had, like, four or five different ones. And you would throw them at the enemies. Different, uh, you know, like, uh, wind would do more damage to this. And then fire would do more damage to this. And like things like that. And then you want to try it. It was fucking fantastic. And then they had another game called Blood Brothers, which was basically just like a... Uh, tile-based movement thing but then you would go into like little rpg battles and you would collect heroes and stuff and this was back before gotcha this was back before purchases and shit like that this was just a game that you could play and there were ads that you could watch and it was tremendous (laughs) it was back before they realized that there were billions of dollars to be made in the mobile gaming industry so that's probably why this company went defunct but these games were tremendous, and I wish that they would bring them back somehow because I think that on the newer technology, that Hellfire the Summoning specifically would get really popular. Fuck raids, Shadow Legends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, this next question comes in from Kana, where she sent another image in if you want to scroll up and see it. Coke it question, says, not for me. It's not for me. It says, <laughs> You're a kid again, and you got a quarter. What are you picking? Your options are Diet Coke. Coca-Cola Classic, Mountain Dew, 7-Up, Pepsi, Sunkissed, Dr. Pepper, or Diet Pepsi? I'm going to go for the Diet Coke first. If that's not available, I'll hit the Dr. Pepper. Otherwise, I'm literally hitting the buttons in the order that are presented. Nice. 
as a kid? Uh, no, as a kid, I would have taken the Coke Classic first, actually. As a kid, I probably would have been torn between Dr. Pepper and 7-Up. I've always been a Dr. Pepper boy. Like, give me my Dr. Pepper. I'm that, a little bit old now, and I drink the diet, yep, but I've always got a Dr. Pepper. Same. I want that carbonated cough I do enjoy a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> it's delicious. Yes. All right. Your next question is from Master Luke. Which controversial opinion of yours could lead to your arrest by the gaming community police? Final Fantasy VI isn't that good. Oh, damn. It's all right. Shots fi- I just don't have the nostalgia for it, so. I feel you. I, I think it's the weaker of the SNES Final Fantasies, to be honest. Um, I was actually talking to Willie about this the other day, and he's like, I can never tell if these are your real opinions or if you're just saying things to be controversial. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, this is a genuine opinion I have. What were the first two 3D Mario games? That was Mario 64 and Super Mario Sunshine, right? Yeah, I believe I so. would rather play um, the character who had a rocky transition into 3D games, first two 3D games in the Mario games. I would rather play Sonic Adventure 1 and Sonic Adventure 2 than Mario 64 and Mario Sunshine. Hands down, any day of the week. Fair enough. I mean, I can't argue. I like Sunshine. I don't have any nostalgia for 64, though, so... I, I hate like I I never played Sunshine growing up. I tried it recently as an adult, and I thought it was complete trash. Oh, see, I haven't played it since I grew up, so I might agree. I've with played you Mario sixty four since I grew up, and I think it's okay. I don't. It, I see why it's important. It was revolutionary, and why it was good for the time, and it was, and it was the first of the three D platformers that really came out. But I just think the Sonic games were more fun and have better stories. Now, you you, uh, you streamed Mario sixty four, didn't you? I did. I thought so. I thought so. Uh, I know I have more. Go ahead. Okay, Will. here's my my controversial opinion. Then, um, the Nintendo 64 controller wasn't that bad. And anyone who says, "Whoa, I have to have three hands to play this," probably thinks you need not 88 fingers to play a piano. <laughs> That's fair. Um, All right. I mean, I always personally like I held the controller like you know one hand on the left side, one hand on the right side, and just used my dick for the thumbstick. Oh, that's that's brilliant. That's yeah. actually probably the intended way. Yeah, good good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Managing to do docking even when you're not using the Game Boy Advance. Docking? We're not playing Star Fox. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking <laughs> no. about, sir. All right. Your next question comes in from Kana. Who is your favorite Disney princess? Oh. I like Jasmine because she's adventurous and has a cool animal. <laughs> I've always been a Jasmine fan as well. Like, I always thought she was hot. <laughs> and she was cool. <laughs> Dalton's dying right now. He doesn't know who to say. I gotta scroll through that movie list again one more time. Give me a second. Vamp for me. <laughs> My mind just blanked. I'm like, oh no. I, I just think like Jasmine was really cool because like she was sassy. Like she was like one of the first mm-hmm. real sassy Disney princesses. She talked back to her dad. She was like not scared of Jafar at all, even though he was like this mean, intimidating, horrible figure. And, like, you know, Jasmine just and was cool. The only reason Aladdin felt like he had to be a prince to impress her was because the rest of society was bullshit. That wasn't really on Jasmine, yeah. you know? Um, Yeah, I think <clears throat> Jasmine walked... What do they say? Jasmine walked so Mulan could run. Yeah. That's true. true. Um, I'm not saying Megara, because she's actually a piece of shit. <laughs> um... <laughs> Nala's not a princess, right? She is. Very technically, yeah. Technically. Uh, I'll go 
Nala. And if that if that doesn't count for some reason, then I'll go Ariel. But I'm gonna say cool. Nala. Sounds good. All right. This one comes in from Master Loot, and I think you can refer to the opening where I talked about it. It's what are your thoughts on the new Zelda? Yeah. Kind of went through it at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing it, but I'm not getting it for myself for the next like two weeks. So here's hoping everyone still thinks it's good by then and they don't discover something that makes it suck. <laughs> All, right. All right. This is from Team Retro. Growing up, what was your favorite Disney movie or show that had scene representation in Kingdom Hearts? I kind of think that's kind of a double up from the question Adam yeah, asked earlier. I think, I think we handled that yeah, already. Let's cut that one. This one also comes in from Mikolov. Uh, what are your thoughts on workplace pot stirrers? Dalton has a lot of thoughts. Just listen to Gab's pod. People who scrutinize everything you do to try to find something to make fun of you or bully you. Also, aren't you a teacher? Why are there people bullying you? This is because do, coaches do I need to come beat somebody up? Do I need to do I need to drive to Connecticut and fuck somebody up for you, Mikolov? Just let me know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have, work somewhere better. Have some self respect. No one fucks with me and my jobs because they know I'm trying to get things accomplished. <laughs> What Willie's saying is get good, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Skill issue. Um, I don't like. I don't know. I've been working in professional environments for a really long time, like office, corporate jobs, and I don't have a lot of that going on. I, 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 yeah, any of the backbiting that happens is like social style backbiting, you know. I uh, and then that's the kind of people that you're like, oh, that that person's just kind of a bitch, and I don't care what yeah, he. Thinks. Especially because I've been working from home for like the almost ten years now too. It's kind of like, eh, who cares what anybody says in their own house? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Uh, I, just short. Yeah, listen to Yaz Pod if you want to really hear me get into this kind of stuff. But like, um, stand up for yourself, man. Like, what's the? I mean, what's the worst that gets happened? You get you get fired, bro. How much experience you got? There's places dying for teachers. And I'm sure you could find a place better if, you know, the environment doesn't improve itself. So, like, get your entire classroom to call whoever it is a shithead. And if and go out. Yeah, on a you have bang, rude teens at your disposal. Make it a TikTok. Become viral. Make money off of that because you got fired because you did something you thought was funny. Fuck people. Get money. Yeah. Yep. Yep. This last this next one also comes in from Nikolov, which is. Growing up, what was your favorite Final Fantasy, and has it seen representation in Kingdom Hearts? Eight, yes. Dalton, answer that for me and you. Eight, yes. <laughs> Four, so far, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- uh, second to last, because we did get one late edition. Um, this is from Jeff. Any early predictions for 2023 Game of the Year? Guys, I mean, th- just like Elden Ring last year, I feel like this is Tears of the Kingdom's game to lose at this yeah. point. Yeah. I think it can lose, but I think it's going to be hard for it to lose because it has the major backing by Nintendo's IP, Link. Like, Zelda's just a super popular series, and it's extremely yeah. well executed, and it's out. Like, I think that the Jedi game had some issues that people were complaining about. Yeah, rough yeah. Start. Like, I don't think, I think Hogwarts like, Legacy was going to be a contender, but I don't think it had the um, player longevity for that game. I think it kind of like had its big splash and it kind of petered out. I haven't heard much about Hogwarts Legacy since like the first month or so of its release. It's a very good yeah, game. Yeah, lots of but, hype but not deep penetration. Yeah, it's a very good game, but I don't think it's game of the year contender worthy. So, I mean personally yeah. like gameplay wise I That's think it is, sure. but in on the mass spec of things, like not everybody's me. <laughs> yeah. So I also think it'd be a controversial pick for them to do at this point. So I don't see them wanting to rock the too much. 
there is a bit of a political aura hanging so over I think it's figure, Tears yeah. of the Kingdom to lose, honestly. Unless there's something I don't know about that's going to come out and blow. There's not like another FromSoft game coming out this year, is there? <laughs> no. Uh, okay. I mean, Armored Core 6, but that's not really the same kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, fair. All right. And then finally, from Steph, who got sent right under the wild, Armadoc and Queen. Crap, I'm too late. I was going to ask if you were going to play Asla Outlast Trials, though. Me? No, unless I'm told it is very, very good. <laughs> if it's on the podcast, I mean, I could see it being an October game. I mean, I had a bad experience with Outlast 2, but I trust you guys that Outlast 1 was good, so if Trials ends up not seeming completely horrible, we should probably do it for a, th- or a Halloween episode. Yeah. Word. And if, and, and Steph, you know I love you. If Steph could manage to let us talk, it would be sweet to have her on if we ever do the original <laughs> Outlast, because... The original Outlast yeah. is good, and she's also, like, I think she agrees with me that the first one's great. Whistleblower's good. Two is two. Okay. Um, cool. And as far as am I going to play Outlast Trials, I'd like to. Um, I might wait and hear what you tell me, what you think of it, Steph. Um, yeah. Let the experts speak on this then, one. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, and then come in. Yeah, let us know if you think it's actually worth playing or if you just want us to play it because you like the series because we have a lot of games we need to play. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. That was the last question. All right. Then quickly, the the fan poll, uh, Morrowind is winning, fo- closely followed by Sid Meier's Civilization Five. So if you're wanting to do that, uh, do join the Discord, which I will plug here in a little bit. But I'll go ahead and plug it now. Why not? Bid.ly slash TSMP Discord, all capital letters. But our next show check in on that horse race. is a host pick. Gentlemen, it is my host pick, and I have been very, very torn. Um, yeah, about I have no idea what you're picking. What I was going to get. Um, I was going to throw Sacred Gold at you guys <clears throat> and decided against it. Um, then I had a couple other ideas that I was tossing around in my head. You know, I'm still going to throw the unfinished swan at you guys sometimes, but this time is not that time. Um, we can wait till it's finished. Hmm? Wait till <laughs> We can wait till so it's finished. <laughs> um, so we are going to play a game that is a bit of a puzzle game. We're going to play a game that we once played for the show a long time ago. All right. But I was hoping you would get around to this one sooner I rather than later. Completely happy with it because we did an episode on it and then we had to do a wrap up on it. And that really affected the listens and I, I i want more people to know about this goddamn game it's so good you would not expect the level of storytelling in this game from the guys who make serious sam and that game is the talos principle so we are going to be doing a steam machine revisit of the talos principle i had a, i've actually thought that might be what we were doing and good news i have Hell the yeah. vr version of that game so i will Yo, try it out and let you know how that works out hell yeah and also if anybody's interested there is a dlc that you can get now i do not recommend this for a first time playthrough i might get it for a second playthrough so i can talk about it on the show there is a dlc called the serious dlc and it takes oh, no. the voice of uh, a character in the game <laughs> and replaces it with the voice of serious sam nice and also rewrite rewrote the script to be more like things that sam would say to you and that's hilarious. It just sounds awesome. So I might check that out. There's also like another DLC I might check out too. Um, but yeah, dude, I really look forward to that. Um, it's a fantastic game and I cannot wait for you guys to like get to experience it. I want to hear your opinions on it because I know how much you guys like Portal. 
And, yeah. and this game is very much a like, man, Portal was cool. I wonder what we could do kind of like a puzzles type thing. Especially since this was just supposed to be a prototype for the engine for Serious Sam 3. And they were like, oh, this is actually really cool. Let's do a puzzle game with it. <laughs> well, we can talk about more about that on the actual episode. So yeah. if you would like to come and join us on the Discord, like I said, bit.ly slash TSMP Discord, all capital letters. If you would like to check out our website, which is now up to date, you can go to bit.ly slash the Steam Machine Podcast. If you would like to join Patreon, which would mean a lot to me because they're cutting hours at work and shit's getting rough. I would really appreciate it. It would mean the world. Patreon.com slash the Steam Machine Podcast. Help me pay off my vet bill from my pupper. Uh, shout out to Yazpod, yet another BS podcast, the bi-weekly now show that I do with Jeremy. And we just kind of shoot the shit for a couple hours. Shout out to the JRPG report that is kind of in limbo right now because there's been like little to no JRPG news here lately. Uh and I do not want to just spend the whole episode talking about Zelda because there's like the huge argument whether that's a JRPG or not. And I don't think it is. So um, merch, if you want to get a shirt, tsmpproductions.threadless.com. You want to check out my music. It is at nilethenightmare.bandcamp.com. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast or a thumbs up or have you do it. And coming soon, our YouTube channel should start uh, be getting up to date just like our website is now up to date because of one Dane, Mr. Puzzles himself, we do appreciate you and everything that you do, my good sir. Now, our patrons, I'd like to give a oh, shout out to the guys who donate $10 or more a month. You guys fucking rule. Uh, Nate Sir Cogsworth, the 7th of Juniper, Jeff, the original expendable Mr. Syllables, old Jeffy Loop himself, Aresa Adam, shout out to his podcast, Revival and Extinction, which is right now on a hiatus, but thank you for the last year of content, my good sir. James, the Steam Machine, Hall, Monitor Hall, Team Retrogue, go check him out over on YouTube, and Mr. Puzzles, Dane himself. Thank you all very much. We do appreciate it. Gentlemen, you ready for some puzzles? Uh, love puzzles like Dane or no oh puzzle me baby <laughs> oh well on that note gentlemen puzzles. I only have one question for you what is Goofy's favorite vegetable I'll tell you what it is okay squash Thank you.